0: Right, fried potatoes. One potato,
1: two potatoes, three Bright potatoes, more. Potato. Five potatoes, it's six potatoes,
2: seven potatoes, more. One potato, two potatoes, three potatoes, four. Five potatoes, six potatoes, potatoes, more. Potatoes.
1: Welcome to the Potato League podcast with your hosts Dan and Tom. Thanks, TJ. Uh, welcome to episode two. 11. 10? Sure. To 11. It throws me off not, uh, since the music is preloaded, that I don't have that 28 seconds to think about. Yeah, to remember what we're on. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, so hopefully that was a successful uh, try number two with the upgraded audio. Or upgraded audio process. Not really the audio is on any better. We still sound just as shitty. (laughs) Um, So it's been Two weeks. Uh, lot's happened since then. We watched both, I think, watched oh, still on the same sort of pace. of.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, my pace has not slackened. Watching a bunch. Um, I'm actually yeah. worried that the pace is going to s- slow down a little bit this week because we just kind of talked about our love of 90-minute movies off air, but uh, Justice League hits Friday. Oh, yeah. And that fucker's four hours long. Yeah. That's going to... S- it's going to slow my pace down.
1: I can spread that out over, like, four days, though, I think. Honestly, <laughs> I, that's probably exactly G- what gonna I'll do. Going to do it the Hateful Eight
2: Netflix style yes. where it's
1: yes. four one-hour yep. movies. Yep. That is that is probably what I'll do. Um, I, I asked Robin if she had any interest. I didn't even finish the question. She's like, no. Yeah. No, I, no interest. I think uh,
2: Andrea probably will say she will as long as she's like, can we watch it at night and if I fall asleep, I fall asleep <laughs> type of thing. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I'm, the more, because they, they've, a lot of the past few days, they've released more and more, like, focused spots, like a flash. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I'm kind of excited for it.
1: I'm still just curious. Yeah. Um,
2: I, I wouldn't call it excitement. <laughs> It, it's it's funny how the narrative around that movie has changed dramatically, though, over the past, like, few weeks with, like, all the Joss Whedon shit coming out. Because and... I remember when, when Justice League came out, everyone just assumed, oh, man, that movie must have been garbage, and Whedon just tried to save it. And right. the more you hear about it, it's like, uh, no, Whedon took the footage they had and pretty much scrapped most of it. And because, I mean... They've come right out and said, uh, he's, Zack Snyder's come right out and said, like, he's not using a single second of right. Whedon's footage. Right. Which, if you can make a four-hour movie without using any of the prior two-hour film, of if you're not using any of the stuff you didn't shoot, right. yeah, that's the,
1: kind of impressive. Do we, I'm sure someone has figured it out online, do we know uh, what percentage the, the cut that we've seen, yeah. what percentage of
2: that is... I'm sure if you Googled, there's probably an article yeah. out there. For, just personally, I'm like, that Russian family, that's all fucking Whedon. Yeah, probably. Um, I'm sure a lot of the Flash quippiness is Whedon. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm sure... Just you, quippiness in general. The, uh, the opening scene of the self... Cell phone footage of Superman. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 100% that. Pretty much anything yeah. you see where yeah. he's got the mustache covered up, you know that's a weeding thing. Yeah, that's yeah, that's
1: definitely the case. Um, I'm writing down now, uh,
2: oh, now that I have the stamps. ability... Oh, Well, the...
1: Oh, fuck that. I'm not doing that. Okay. I'm writing down times uh, because the furnace just kicked on behind me, even though I just went up and turned it down. Yeah. But anyway, uh, so now that I can take sound out, every time there's a couple second pause, I have... Uh, Written, I'm writing that time down so I can go in and erase it, and it erases it for all. Awesome. The more audio stuff that no one else cares about.
2: Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's... I remember, and I read an article where, like, after the film was completed, Christopher Nolan went to Zack Snyder and said, whatever you do, don't watch this.
1: Hmm. Bringing <laughs> um, endorsement.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's just interesting that back at that time we thought that Whedon was going to save the day on it. It turns out he just fucked it up a lot. And then, for a few years, got to walk away with Snyder taking most of the blame for it. Oh, yeah. Which, yeah. Dick move, man. I mean, we're learning more and more about. Isn't it odd that. Is that like a.
1: Is that something. Part of it has got to be subconscious in us as the public, I yeah. guess. Is that uh, now that more is known about kind of what a shitty person he is, kinda, the Sheen? We stop defending things in his movies that maybe don't need defending. Yep. I still stand that by uh, Firefly perfect. Yeah. Um, but there's big problems with Avengers. Like that movie's kind of annoying. Yeah. Uh, because of all the quips and like Jesus Christ, fucking
2: yeah. Just
1: it, so there. And and uh, same thing with Age
2: of Ultron. Well, it's really funny because I remember. Um, well, dollhouse the, oh, yeah. the show with Elijah Dushku I watched a few episodes of that and I'm like this show makes me feel weird yeah like it's uh I mean they erase women's personalities to make them whatever they need to be for whatever it is the client wants which is icky um <laughs> and it doesn't little projection there on... That's what I... Yeah, now that you're... Because it's like, the same thing happens in Westworld. But in Westworld, yeah. they start to fight back sooner. Yeah. You know? And it's like, you're almost from the very beginning led to feel like, wow. awesome shot. You're almost led from the very beginning to feel like this isn't right. Yeah. In Westworld. Oh, yeah, yeah oh, the, the, oh, the treatment yeah, definitely. of the... It's the point of the show. Yeah, the inhabitants of Westworld is that it's human beings doing some awful things to people. Don't that just get erased? Yeah, because they're not real people. In Dollhouse, they're real people. But yeah, it's like now I almost kind of want to go back and finish the show just to yeah. see if it's like all the warning signs are there <laughs> because it's and it's not just like like just if it was a few months ago, like um the guy who plays Cyborg came out and was like Weeden was an asshole, right? Complete asshole on set. Um, he did, you know and it's not right that he got to treat people like that, and now it's like. Pretty much someone from almost every show. I think pretty much with the exception of Firefly. None of them have come forward.
1: Well, maybe that was too early in his career. Well, no, that would have been... It's still post-Buffy. would have been
2: post-Buffy, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, like more and more people are coming forward and just like, like Michelle Trachtenberg was like saying yeah. there's a rule he couldn't, she couldn't be alone near him. Yeah. And I'm like, she's 15 at that time. So is it just because he's an ungodly asshole, or is it because? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, because he's always cast young women. Did always. you always? <laughs> did you
1: ever read the? I don't want to call it an article, but his like his ex wife wrote. Big. Oh yeah, did you read that? That was. Brutal. Yeah, I, I'm thinking it's that. I mean, it does it's not better in any way, but it's like he's just a. Yeah, it,
2: it, I don't know. Yeah, and the, find that it, article and read it. it yeah, oh, and, the, and the crazy thing is too is like he was a champion of feminism for so yeah long. Yeah, and everyone was like, but he he projected the good image. Yeah, and it, it took when once people finally started talking about what a dick he is, it just opened the floodgates and, I mean, they took him off his HBO show that he helped create the new one that's coming out. I can't remember the title. Uh, Google that, too. Yeah. Welcome to our podcast, <laughs> we Google do? That. Yeah. We just not, kind of we don't bring actually, shit up. And, we don't actually know anything. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he got taken off of that. Like, and it was handed over to someone else because they didn't want to cancel production. Again, it's about young women superheroes in like a Victorian era. I have
1: no idea what that is. What is that? I I, hold on. I, I'll, I'll, anthem, I'll, I'll go to IMDb. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, I'm going to look up uh, this week's how did this get made? Did you listen? I haven't to that? listened yet,
2: but I mean, this is likely one of the last things we're gonna see from Whedon, because he's gonna be like Kevin Spacey territory for a while, I think.
1: Well, in that in an instance like that, no one's gonna want to work with him. Yeah.
2: And it's not even like a uh, he the ne- the Nevers is what the show is called—an epic tale following a gang of Victorian women. Who find themselves with unusual abilities, relentless enemies, and a mission that might change the world. Comes out in April. Huh. Yeah. But yeah, he was. Nick Frost is in it. We'll have a Nick I Frost I just watched Nick yeah. Frost. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a bunch of young people for the most part. No, not a whole lot of. Not a lot of character actors, no real big names. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he got, right after the investigation, he announced he was leaving that show to spend more time with his family. <laughs> As they
1: often do. Yeah, so... I mean, O'Reilly it, did that. Yeah. Spent more, a lot of people spend more time with their families
2: all of a sudden. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's always a the chance he'll Mel Gibson it and come back after like three years of doing nothing for something, but... But even, but
1: Mel Gibson has never and will never be what he was oh no um, no he was like one of the
2: most bankable hollywood leading men and directors right yeah on n- anything with his name attached and to it now was... he's in direct-to-video shit like fat man yeah i mean there's always a chance he'll come back with something else because he is an incredibly talented mm. director
1: yeah and i and you know like so is roman polanski yeah. you know what i mean well, so. yeah well he just
2: keeps making movies in europe um where they can't extradite him. Uh, but like last night, I watched another. I watched a movie that I didn't realize uh, Lebouf was in. He's another one. It seems like every week there's like a story about him and his ass, asshole behavior. Some an ex girlfriend of him is suing him for I, behaviors.
1: I watched him. Uh, I watched Constantine this week.
2: Yeah, but
1: I had no idea he was even in
2: it. But the more I like, it's like every year there's a new story about him being just an awful human being on mm. something, and then he comes back and gets more work because he's fucking. He's fucking talented when he wants to be. Yeah. I, the movie I watched him in last night, he was really fucking good at playing a bit of a dirtbag, which is the roles he can really lean into. But the thing about,
1: and even uh, like way back, he started on Nickelodeon. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you could tell at that point on a stupid Nickelodeon show that mm-hmm. he is hands down the most talented person here, I mean nothing against Nickelodeon style actors, but I mean the majority of them do not go on to you know big time Hollywood careers, right? Uh, so, it, yeah, but he's just I that that fucks with you. Mm-hmm. I mean that I mean maybe he maybe part of it is to be that as an actor you do you got to be a little weird, yeah, or maybe it's I don't know it's a chicken or the egg thing or because you've been in the spotlight since you were 11, mm-hmm. that it just, it, fuck, if you, not everyone handles it.
2: Yeah, like he, I keep meaning to watch the film he was in, he wrote uh, Honey Boy. Yeah, that's him. Yeah, that's essentially his story growing up. It's one of those, it's <coughs> like, every time I see him in something, I'm like, fuck, I need to keep watch. I need to watch that, because it seems like that's going to be, you know, the the Rosetta Stone of understanding him. <laughs> All right, we have to pause. That's the newest...
1: uh... Yeah. I... Yeah. We're going to pause. All right, we're back. We just watched two trailers. (laughs) One for a talking cat. Sorry. A talking cat? Yes. Because it's got uh, an exclamation point, followed by a question mark, followed by an exclamation point. There's also a sequel called A Talking Pony? Mm -hmm.
2: Both of which look amazing. Yes, both rated in the low 2s on IMDb. It's hard. But uh, yeah, they were rec- uh, the first one was recently done as an episode of How Did This Get Made and not surprising judging from the- Again, how would they fucking find it? I know they've got that research well, assistant that that's, They Well, they they credit her several times yeah. for finding Well, they credit her in like every episode, yeah. which it's it's amazing to me because like I mean, J- June is not going to ever bring a movie to the table. No. But it seems like Jason and Paul most definitely would, yes, but yeah, all of their movies are suggested by this assistant they have, yes, which that must be the greatest job, yeah,
1: I mean they 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 gave her kudos several times,
2: yeah, uh, oh,
1: well in particular done. because that, that
2: movie's eight years old, and I had never even heard of it.
1: And the fact that, and a lot of times, the ones like that, that are real, like, they did Governor Gabby a couple weeks ago. Mm. Did you listen to that? I did not. Uh, <clears throat> which is kind of similar uh, budget-wise and stuff, but it's not available anywhere. It's Canadian. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that makes it not available. But um, I can't remember how they ended up having to watch it. But a lot of these types of movies, the, like, ultra-low-budget just shitboxes, yeah. you can't find them anywhere, and they had to, like... Pay forty bucks to buy
2: a copy oh, from. It, I love it when Pollock like ends up buying a copy yeah. on his laptop, and then another copy for somewhere else, and then June buys a copy of. Like, yeah. you guys, live fucking together. Yeah, you were right
1: down the hall. Yeah, uh, but this one is on this, and the uh, uh, sequel are both on Amazon Prime, and they were like, "Good," because it's probably never going to get paid for, right? Ever. They have, well, they were like, "How the fuck does this end? How does this end up on Amazon Prime?" And it, I mean, it was like a a bulk, mm-hmm. you know, they got the license for a hundred yeah, sl- shitty movies and yep. slapped them all on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, all and about,
2: it's all about content. Man. Yeah.
1: So <sighs> I, I'm not going to watch either one of them, but I had no. to watch the trailer. I will listen to uh, them all talk
2: about it, but yeah, I, I'm not going to take 93 minutes of my day and, no. and
1: watch it. I that. will tell you, I was, cause I, I almost like listening to it better when I haven't seen the movie. I was confused. <laughs> I had no... I still have really no clear picture on... Mm-hmm. I listened to them talk about it for 90 minutes. Yeah. I'm not sure what it's even yeah, about. I mean, well, it's about a
2: cat that can talk to people,
1: but, but only, only once. Um, and I think it was... We had stopped recording. We were paused when I was mentioning the... Because Eric Roberts is the one person you've heard of in this movie. Um, and he... The story is... He did his, he did all of his lines. He's the talking cat. He did all of his lines from his house on his iPhones in 15 minutes. I don't know how true that is,
2: but that's, yeah. <laughs> that is. I'm the- not sure he got, how much he got paid for that. I'm guessing from the looks of it, a little more than scale, but probably not
1: much more. It had a budget of a million dollars. Are you fucking kidding me? No, it had a budget of $1 million. Remember Headhunter that was like 30000 Yeah. 30, yeah. That wow. had a million dollar budget.
2: And I'm guessing a good portion of that was spent on the house.
1: Yeah. The, that, that it all takes place the
2: in, porn house, yeah. in. The Pornhouse, uh, uh, yeah. The It's...
1: because it's Other me. than Eric Roberts,
2: I've never even seen any of those actors. And judging from their acting in the trailer, we're not yeah, ever going to see them again. Well... Other than a talking
1: pony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some of the some of the same actors were, are in the sequel.
2: Uh, yeah, I... Jason Font, never heard of him. Kristen DeBell, never. See, she's in she's in both of them. Oh, know she's that. known for God's Not Dead, the sequel. Oh, he was a Days of Our Lives actor. Nice.
0: Hmm.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, anyway. Yeah.
2: Those will not be films we're discussing. No.
1: So, the, good segue. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to look at my list's from the last time we recorded.
2: It's pretty Would much everything been... for this month. Because we ended on uh, February 28th. We recorded on February 28th. So I had watched Prospect? Yes. Okay.
1: So since then, I mean, we're not going to talk about all these. I'll just list them off and then we can decide what we want. to so I yeah. watched The Host. I watched Spirited Away. I watched Hannah. I watched Princess Mononoke. I
2: definitely want to talk about the
1: Miyazakis. Yep.
2: Because I'm hoping you watch those with the
1: kids. Yeah. Uh, Tilly. Yeah. Colin Um, Then we re-watched Hamilton, Rewatched Utopia. Utopia. Uh, Robin and I watched Constantine. I hadn't seen it. Uh, she hadn't either. I watched Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, which I texted you. That's got every working actor in the UK. Yep. Is in that fucking movie. Mm-hmm. Um, then, uh... My favorite watch of the two weeks was a rewatch because it was with Robin watching Annihilation for the first time. (laughs) Uh, That was something. I'll be interested for the thoughts (laughs) on that, too. Uh, Then we watched Winter Soldier last night, and uh, I watched Attack the Block this morning. I mean, I've watched... 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12,
2: 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18... Maybe 22 films. Jesus, in that time, so I'm definitely not going to talk about everything, but I definitely want to talk about the dead don't die.
1: I do too, because I haven't watched it because of how it was reviewed. But then you kind of liked I love it.
2: it. I oh, we might as well start with that one then. Yeah, I'm a Jim Jarmusch fan. Yeah. Um, for those of you who are not familiar with Jim Jarmusch, he's one of the like original independent filmmakers from the 80s um i'm gonna just bring up the film and bring up like his credits he's done some films that are a little more well known but a lot that are not um he was famous in like the early 80s or mid 80s for um down by law stranger than paradise mystery train uh, puts Tom Waits in a lot of his films. Uh, has a very esoteric cast in most of his films. Loves loves casting um, musicians. Yeah. Loves working with musicians. Um, one of the best jokes of The Dead Don't Die is the RZA stars as, oh, he doesn't star, but he's in it as a UPS driv- driv- uh, delivery driver. Yeah. The truck says, whoo-PS? Yes. <laughs> Just one of those little things like that, um, but he's also uh, been known for stuff like uh, the Johnny Depp film Dead Man in the mid, oh yeah, a nineties uh, Only Lovers Left Alive recently, uh, Ghost Dog, which is one of my favorite films. Uh, is that uh, someone with um, uh, Force Whitaker? Force Whitaker is a samurai-coded mafia hitman. Uh... Yeah, so he's, he's definitely done a lot of independent film. He always gets great actors. People love working with him. Uh, and Just the, like Joss Whedon, just like as Joss we were Whedon. talking. Uh, this film is no different with its fucking cast. Its cast is amazing. Um, the main stars are Bill Murray and Adam Driver as two cops in this small town when a zombie apocalypse breaks out. It is the least zombie apocalypse movie you will ever see about a zombie apocalypse. Yeah. Because um, most of the time they're just reacting to it in kind of weird, offbeat ways. Which is, if you've seen Jarmouche films, his characters act like that. Um, one, one of the funniest things about the movie is um, there's a song called The Dead Don't Die by Sturgill Simpson. That plays continuously throughout the movie, and the characters constantly comment on it playing. <laughs> and then eventually, like Bill Murray, throws it out the fucking window because he's sick of hearing the song. Uh, but they're always every time it comes on, they're like, Oh, Spurtle Simpson, dead don't die." Is
1: it just playing on? Like they get in a car and it's on the radio. It's on the radio. Thing? They stop yeah. at the
2: store. The CDs are for sale. Yeah, uh, it's, it's. They're always making comments about. They're like, especially Adam driver breaks the fourth wall a few times. Is that on HBO? Yeah. Cause like it's playing once, one time they're like in Bill Murray's like, why is this always playing? And, uh, Driver's like, it's the theme song. <laughs> didn't you, didn't you read the script? Like where they're commenting about the movie they're in, but not for a whole lot of time and not so much that it continually becomes a, not that it's, it's yeah, not a bit. It's not a bit. It's just, they talk about it like once or twice. Um, Tilda Swinton is it is in it as a mortuary owner, who is also a samurai, and an alien. Because you'll learn that when the aliens show up at the end. Um, Chloe Sevigny, Steve Buscemi is an amazingly racist farmer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Danny Danny Glover's in it. And I always just love when Danny Glover shows up. He doesn't get that guy doesn't get enough work anymore. Maybe he doesn't want to. Uh, Caleb Landry Jones is the owner of a store. Who knows some stuff. Uh, Rosie Perez is in it as Posey Juarez. Uh, as a reporter. She's always on TV. Uh, Iggy Pop plays a zombie. Uh, Carol, Carol Kane is in it. Mostly as a zombie. Uh, Tom Waits is in it as Hermit Bob. Who is just always on the outskirts of town. Watching everything through binoculars. And making comments on it. Hmm. <laughs> it's. I mean the way I'm describing it. It's, it makes it sound very meta but it really isn't, but it is once in a while. It's, if someone tells me they didn't like this film, I would 100% understand it. Yeah. It's not one of those where like, how can you not like that fucking movie? You tell me you don't like that. I'll be like, I understand. Uh, but it's for me, it, it was just oddball and weird enough that, especially in this world where zombie movies are a dime a fucking dozen. now, Yeah. Yeah. It's nice to have one that isn't typical. Um, And they don't spend much of the time actually fighting or running from zombies.
1: That's what I've liked. They're just kind of there
2: most of the time.
1: That's what I've liked about a lot of the smaller indie, sci-fi indie stuff that I've been watching this year is that uh, it's not... It's not just like every other, Mm -hmm. you know, Avengers did good, let's do that, you know? Um, Like the... Well, a good example is the the Vast of Night is a good example. Mm-hmm. That's a an alien abduction story where there's
2: you yeah. don't see jack
1: shit. Oh, yeah. until I mean, this you see
2: plenty of zombies, but there's not like, but it's not there's no, not a lot of huge battles. It's not really yeah. the point. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, uh, I yeah, and that's um, it's not on the same level. But the but attack the block where it's. It's not a worldwide, it's happening in that apartment complex. Yeah. It's it's literally the block. And and nowhere else. Uh, Which that was, uh, it was clever the way that that, because it's hard to make an alien attack movie where it, where you can justify the fact that it's, oh, it's just here, but it makes sense in that movie. Mm -hmm. Like there's an explanation, a reasonable explanation for it, but.
2: You no, Attack the Block is one of those films that, like, whenever someone's like, oh, what's a good sci-fi film I probably haven't seen? Mm. Attack the Block. Um, yeah, it's uh, Joe Cornish, who honestly hasn't, he's written a few things, but hasn't directed that much. He recently directed, I think it was, The Kid Who Would Be King. Oh, yeah. It was that, like, King Arthur Film I guess that's British pretty,
1: kids. Isn't that pretty good?
2: Supposedly. Yeah. Um, the One of the big things was he and Edgar Wright were writing and directing Ant-Man for Marvel for like 10 years before it finally got taken away from him. Um,
1: and that started pre-Iron Man. Yeah. They that been, yeah,
2: that was when Marvel wasn't going to have a connected universe, they were just going to kind of do some independent film. You know, not independent, but independent of each other yeah. um, movies. And that eventually... They Wanted it to tie in too much so that they right in Cornish were like, We've had to rewrite this four times, we're not doing it again, yeah. <laughs> um, and they moved on to other stuff, but yeah, Attack the Block, It's the first, I I—I I believe, it's the film de- debut of John Boyega, who's just is yeah, that phenomenal he, as Moses, yeah. He, I mean, he clearly got he is the gang
1: leader. He got Finn off of this.
2: Yeah. I um, mean, for, th- for those of you who have never seen this story, is essentially there's an alien invasion in a tiny area of um, London. South London. South London. Um, and f- it's up to, like, f- four young punks yeah. to kind of defeat them. Because, of course, no one's believing them. Poor four, four,
1: four young punks and the woman that they mugged. <laughs> yeah. Earlier in the film.
2: And eventually their pot dealer. Yeah. <laughs> Who's played by um Nick Frost? Nick Frost from um, uh, Shaun of the the,
1: the aforementioned Edgar Wright movies?
2: Yeah. um
1: it's, <clears> see how these all tie
2: together. It, it's a tremendous film. it's it's funny. it's and it's the, quick. It's quick. It's only like ninety minutes, and it it pulses right along. Yeah. There is not there's no dead time in that film.
1: no, there's a couple there are a couple breather moments where they are explaining to anyone who is new. Or has not fully uh, not experienced the,
2: the wolf bear things. The wolf bear with the glowy teeth, which that's a great effect. Yeah, because I mean that's a great way around your budget limitations. Yes,
1: and that's what I was because uh, uh, I we, before we started, I was telling Dan that I this the, we've talked about the channel before, Flick Connection, where I get a lot of my movie recommendations, um, and he like he. Toxically, always has he had this. It was a list of twenty Amazon Prime movie hidden gems or something like that, and he has a little blurb about each movie. And like this one, it was that on this is what you can do. You can do stuff like this on a limited
2: budget. Like mm-hmm. a lot of this is puppet work. Yeah, um, it's it's almost always shown in darkness. Like yeah, when you see them, um, basically the what you see most of the time is like their their critters like smile. Yeah. Under a black light. Right. You just see glowing teeth in the darkness. Yeah. And that's how you know how many of them there are. And then, yeah, the rest of the time, it's just like puppets or people in a suit. Yeah. When there's action needed. Uh, but it looks great.
1: Yeah, it really did. There's never, there's never really a point where you go, oh, my God, that looks like shit. Mm-hmm. I mean, that looks stupid. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll say that in movies that I like. Mm-hmm. Like. Because you got to be honest, like when you're you're watching, because we're talking about how we're watching a lot of low budget sci-fi stuff, like a lot of it looks like shit, but it doesn't mean the movie's bad. It's like, you understand.
2: Well, I mean, we we just talked about the aforementioned Avengers. Yeah. Uh, There are parts of that that do not look good. No. And that's a film with a 200 million dollar budget and you couldn't even get a good looking Captain America outfit. Right. (laughs) His outfit is garbage. Yeah. In that movie. And it's like, this film made like a billion dollars and you can't find anyone to go, that outfit looks like shit.
1: But just effects, um, it's inexcusable in a movie with that kind of a budget. Mm-hmm. In a movie like this, I'm expecting it. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: but, but I, I don't think they
2: did much CG. Work no, in this at no, all. very,
1: very little. Uh, at least that mm-hmm. I could tell, um,
2: or maybe it's super good that could be. I mean, <laughs> because yeah. you couldn't tell. Well, I mean, from what, I, from what I've heard, one of the most efficient users of CG is um, David Fincher. Yeah. David Fincher uses CG in like 90% of his film, but you just can't fucking tell because he's doing it on little things. right? Not big shots.
1: <laughs> um, the other uh, one problem I did have is the kid that... Uh, The guy that the that was, like the apparently obviously from the rich side of town that was just there buying weed, Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) he says that he got in trouble because he left a half ounce in his pants and it went through the wash and
0: Hmm.
1: like you couldn't leave a half ounce in your pants and not know it was there. Yeah, maybe like an eighth, but a half ounce is a sandwich baggie. Yeah, (laughs) like come on, dude. (laughs) He
2: said you left it in your backpack. Yeah. That's a little more believable. Uh, better. Yeah. You don't leave a half ounce of weed in your pants. I mean, those aren't Jenko jeans they're wearing. <laughs> right. <laughs> in a Jenko jeans pocket, I would you, believe it. You could, yes. But. uh No, I liked it. And yeah, like you said it was
1: like it's like 87 minutes or something like that. And a lot of the ones on his list this month were super short, so I added like five of them to my yeah. to my watch list. Um The other one that we just watched a trailer for was the Australian one. These final hours, mm-hmm. which I think he had had on a list before because I recognized it, but it's it's a uh, an asteroid heading toward Earth movie where there aren't there's no plan. Yeah, it's twelve to hours to stop your it. Dead. You're it's it's going to hit, and everyone knows it. Um, so I'm it's going to be bleak, but I'm 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 interested.
2: Yeah, no, it looked interesting. Um, good bleak one that we can kind of tie in here. I watched uh, this week her smell. Which, interesting title. Not even sure where the fucking title comes from. Uh, But it stars uh, Elizabeth Moss as a rock and roll singer. Essentially, she's Courtney Love. Okay. Um, And we're meeting her at the beginning of the film as she's on a massive downward spiral. Um, Her band is very popular. They went, you know, they were selling out arenas type of thing. And now her drug use is finally... Uh, catching up with her, and now that the drug use is catching up with her, they are not doing as well. Um, and as band, it usually goes, yeah, the band is on the verge of a breakup. Um, everything. Did you they, blow up your fidget spinner? I totally blew up my fidget spinner. Uh, there's a new younger band. Um, with a what's her name there? Carla Devon Clara Devon. Yeah, oh, hold on. Um, I need to see it. Delavane. Yeah. Delavane. Yeah, uh, that. They're also talented, and they don't have quite the drug issue, so the the record execs are looking forward to looking, working with her <laughs> than they are with Elizabeth Moss, who's, again, she's so drugged out, she's practically insane. Um, and it is one of the best performances I've ever seen of someone who is manic-depressive and on a lot of drugs. Yeah. It's... So realistic. Like, if you've ever been around anyone like that, it it's scary how on point she is. Because it's, she'll go from just being off in the corner, nodding off, doodling away on her guitar, to two minutes later, just having all the energy in the world and just destroying the room. Yeah. Um, not physically, but just her presence. Yeah. Um, which is why it's weird that it's called her smell. It's more about her presence. Like, even when she's not in the room, everyone the is like... The smell lingers. It's, again, know. the title doesn't... I'm trying. Matter. But, like, when she's not in the room, it's her presence that is felt. Yeah. Like, everyone is like, oh, shit, are we gonna even... You know, the curtain's up in five minutes. Are we even gonna be able to fucking play tonight?
0: Yeah.
2: Um, and then about halfway through, she hits her bottom. And then the remaining hour of the film is, like, her trying to kind of come back. Sort of. Um... It's not a wholly original story. Because, again, it's drugged out rock star, yeah. ruins her career, then tries to make a comeback. Yeah. Uh, but it is... The music is... Apparently, she performs the music. Really? She sings in the movie. And one of my biggest problems with the movie is you don't hear enough of the music. Like, it's really good. The song, the original songs they wrote for this are good. <laughs> Did you know she was... Uh, a
1: not quite Tom Cruise level Scientologist. Scientologist? Yeah, I've heard I, I heard that, that
2: re- I um I heard it when uh June and Paul yes. did a thing. Yeah. 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 Well that's the thing, is like she's not as front forward as Tom Cruise is. I'm
1: disappointed in her. Oh, I am too.
2: <laughs> I am it definitely I mean I'm still going to watch.
1: Yeah. Because she's so
2: fucking good. That's part she's of the problem. In. Yeah. But I'm happy that she's not as outspoken. I mean, we say that, too, and it's like we still fucking watch everything Tom Cruise puts out. Exactly. But, yeah. Uh, she's so fucking good in this. And it's one of those films that's like, this is why the Oscars are bullshit. Because that wasn't a nominated role. Yeah. And that's better than half the shit I saw. Um, It's only like a year or two old. Yeah, 2018, I think. Yeah, that sounds right. And it's one of those where it came out in twenty eighteen, but no one saw it until twenty nineteen. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, but yeah, really, really
1: enjoyable. That's uh, that's a lot of things that uh, the sorts of things that I've been watching this year is stuff that uh, would have it, it. Yeah, it, it was it was made in. You know, 2018, but it it didn't get sold until the 2019 whatever mm. festival. So, and then it didn't make its way to anyone's eyeballs until yeah. now. So, uh, yeah, and it's
2: on Hulu or HBO or something. I mean, I can tell you, I watched it on Vudu. Yeah, so I must have bought it at one point. Yeah, um, but I think it, it's one of those. That sh- uh, Hulu had it for the longest time. I mean, I, that's what, a lot of the stuff I watched this week. Were things that I was like. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. I should probably try to watch that. Yeah. Um, another one that is a very, very cliched story, but I actually enjoyed that. Also starring... Jesus, didn't even put this together until now. Uh, Fighting With My Family. The one with The Rock? The one with The Rock, which also stars Nick Frost. Oh, yeah, right. Um, it, it's the truth. It's also got Florence Pugh, Lena Headley, Vince Vaughn. It's yeah. got a great cast. Uh, written and directed by Stephen Merchant. Oh, huh. It tells the, the true story of um, Sayara Page Knight, who ended up becoming like a woman's WWE wrestler. Yeah. And came from a small, like, London-based, London or Manchester, small UK-based wrestling family that basically were the type of people that you'd find wrestling at the VFW Hall yeah. on a Saturday night. Right. Uh, her and her brother have the dream of re- of wrestling for the WWE. They both get picked to go try out. She gets picked. He does not. Um, so that kind of leads to a split family dynamic for a while. Uh, it goes through the whole, I don't really belong here, you know, because every other every other female wrestler there was like a model. Yeah. Or, you know, something along those lines where she was an actual wrestler. So she f- for the fir- for the longest time feels like she's better than them, but she isn't progressing as well as they are. So should she quit? Should she not quit? You know, and eventually she makes it big. I was um, going
1: to, I was going to vote for quit.
2: Nope. She makes it big. <laughs> that, would have been, that would have been a great ending. Yeah. Fuck yeah. it. Yeah. She's just done. <laughs> it's just her going um, back to London. If it wasn't a true story, I almost would sort have of called bullshit on it. Cause like she, oh, wins, yeah? she wins the championship in her first match. Yeah. Which if, I'm sure happens in the WWE all the time. Oh, but sure. For us, this type of story, you're like, Really? Her first match, she becomes the champion. It feels like a Disney movie. It yeah. feels like a... It, it almost, it's like, The Rookie or, you know, Miracle. Remember the Titans. Um, we Are Marshall. Yeah. Line it's, them up. It's that type of story. It's... It, Florence Pugh is great in it. She's yeah. a good actress. Uh, Vince Vaughn is really good as a former wrestler who burnt out, and now he just kind of is like a talent scout. Yeah. Um, the Rock is hilarious whenever he shows up, because he's The Rock, being the actual Rock. Right. Um cuz yeah the story is like from the early 2010s. So it's not like it's, you know, long ago
1: ancient history. Yeah. Uh,
2: but it it was in, it was enjoyable. Um good family film and I don't watch many of those. Yeah. I,
1: I'm <laughs> all set. Um I say that and yeah. I watch.
2: It was one of those that I, was, I was just like I wanted to watch something that wasn't going to give me a lot of thought. Yeah. As I was watching it and that fit the bill. It was <laughs>
1: That's see. That's when I do a rewatch ah. of something.
2: Oh, I'm trying to maintain my per- my seventy percentage yeah, right now. Me too. So um, if I do a rewatch, I'm like, okay, well, the next two or three things I have to watch. I do the same now. thing because I uh,
1: I did this just the other night uh, between Annihilation and uh, Winter Soldier. We're back to back rewatches. Oh Jesus!
2: And so Zootopia Zootopia, Hamilton. We're back to back. But yeah, because I had I rewatched Aladdin and Twin Peaks Firewalk with me. Basically, if I watch something for my for my blog, yeah. then it's like, oh shit, I have to watch a bunch of shit I haven't seen in a long time now. Um, guess see where my... I think I'm still
1: in pretty good shape there.
2: Yeah. Oh that, no, I've dropped below 70, 69.8%. Yeah. Uh, another brand new one that I watched that I was actually really stunned by, because it, it was a Netflix original. So, once it was on, it eventually uh, disappeared. The Meyerwitz Stories. Um, no, directed by Noah Baumbach, who did last year's A Marriage Story. Mm. Um, great writer-director. Always always writes about preppy white people with problems, essentially. Maybe he is a preppy white person oh, he's, with problems. Oh, he so much is. Yeah. Um, reminds me of that... Uh, it was an Onion headline from a little while back that said, uh, Young New York... Rich brothers um, now feel pressured to become independent film makers. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it stars um, as brothers. Uh, Noah Baumbach, regular. um, Ben Stiller and Adam Sandler. Ben Stiller and Adam Sandler as the other brother. I remember this. And it's... Adam Sandler is really fucking good in this. Um, He plays kind of the... Uh, they, they're, they're both the sons and there's also a daughter and that's funny that we haven't mentioned her because that's pretty much how it happens all movie long is that everyone forgets he has a daughter. Um, the, the, the father is played by Dustin Hoffman. He's Meyerowitz. Um, plays like an, an, an artist in New York, a sculptor who years ago had some fame, enough fame that he's been able to live off of it. Right. But was never the big, big name. And, um, he has medical issues through the film. And so the family has to kind of come together thing. Yeah. Um, Ben Stiller has lived out on the West coast. He became successful. He he manages like Hollywood stars. There's a great scene with him trying to manage, um, Jesus. I am Adam driver. I had two Adam driver films this week. How about that? Uh, it's very, very funny, but, It's all about family dynamics of having a father. And it's pretty much every conversation they have with their dad. The dad is only talking about himself, no matter what they're saying. Um, It's very well written, as most no bomb things are. Uh, But yeah, it's funny that Sandor didn't get credit for being like a really, really good actor until a year later with Uncut Gems, when he's quite good in this. It's not quite to the level of... I think he's better in Uncut Gems, but it's a more demanding role. Yeah. Because it...
1: you do what the script yeah requires yeah. Whereas this,
2: he's just a a suburban dad yeah whose daughter is now going off to college. His wife and him have recently separated, so he's kind of aimless and doesn't know what he's doing, and he's just kind of trying to be there for his dad who always favored the other kid yeah, the Ben Stiller kid who was the youngest, who was also from another mother, and the dad is now living with another woman who is parents to none of them uh, played by Emma Thompson. She's yep. great in it. Um, yeah, it's one of those movies where every role is someone good. Yeah. So it's, I remember seeing it when it was yeah. first on. Yeah. But that's the thing. It was like, I had never thought of it again. Promoted on Netflix. It was probably in their top 10 yep. for a month and then it disappeared. Yeah. And I just happened to be like, I was checking. So I've late have picked up a lot of Noah Baumbach films on DVD. Um, and I was like, okay, which ones am I missing? And I was like, the, the Meyerowitz stories. What the fuck is that? And I'm like, oh, that one was made for Netflix. That's why it's not on. Yeah. I can't find it on DVD because it's not out yet. Um, maybe someday Criterion will pick it up because they picked up Marriage Story. They did. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Netflix is doing that. Um, and recently Criterion announced they're picking up some Amazon stuff too because they're gonna have they're gonna put out One Night in Miami. Huh. Uh, and two other fucking movies. I forget which now. But oh, sound of sound of metal, and a documentary life or something like that. That's good though, because I mean, as a physical media collector, I hate it when shit only comes out on Netflix because then you forget about it.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a a it's a weird marriage. Yeah. Of classic, because you kind of tie Criterion to mm. the classic uh, theater yeah experienced cinema. I'm just gonna throw words like
2: that out, yeah, but I mean but that's what it is, but and then when you think of like Scorsese's, the Irishman didn't play in a theater anywhere near here, right um but it's it's the type of film that should be available, and it's like I've never understood why Netflix and Amazon sometimes don't put out stuff on physical media. I'm never gonna cancel my Netflix subscription because I'm able to pick up a copy of something on DVD. Yes. That has never ever crossed my mind. There is too much con they should be
1: I I mean, I'm sure they've got the analytics up the ass, but there's enough content on Netflix for like what like what you just said. No one's gonna buy a copy of S- you know, the Meyerowitz stories, the Meyerowitz go,
2: Story. I can cancel my Netflix.
1: Finally, now. I was paying $14.99 a month just to have access to the Meyerowitz stories. But now that I bought it, I don't need to do that. Yeah. I mean, no one's going to cancel their fucking Netflix because they can buy them. Mm-hmm. That's just. And in order in order for you to do that, you'd have to only be on Netflix for the Netflix originals. And if you bought all of them, then Netflix should be like, all right, fuck you then.
2: Yeah, you've already you've bought all of them. Good. Yeah, you know that's several months where maybe we should keep doing more originals if people it's you know st- pay for this uh, you know twice. I essentially. just essentially
1: just I just can't imagine that the two things are related. Yeah, where physical sales would lead to even one canceled subscription.
2: Yeah, because I mean, um, Portrait of a Woman on Fire, which I talked about a few weeks ago. That was on, that, that came out on Hulu before anything else. Yeah. And that's a Criterion film. And you know, I watched it for free, went, holy fuck, this is really good. And then went and bought it on Criterion. Yeah. Because that's how it should work. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, Criterion has their own channel. Well, and, yeah. But yet and... they, I mean, Criterion has their own channel, but yet they still put out DVDs every, they still put out five to six Blu-rays and DVDs every month. Yeah. Because it's not always going to be on their channel. Because they, like others, they rotate through, but what I do for a lot of that stuff is I watch it for the first time on the channel, and then go, yep, that was really good, I want that in my collection.
1: Well, yeah, and that's the other thing about physical media, is that most of the time, probably 90, I don't know, again, someone has these analytics, probably 90% of physical media sales for movies are movies that you've seen. Mm -hmm. No one's buying, you rent movies for the first time, most people.
2: Yeah. Um... Yeah, blind buys are rare. Yeah, and so usually you only blind buy something when someone's like, "Holy shit, you got to!" Yeah, wait. dude, watch this. You have to buy or it, or like, so it's the
1: only op- It's the only way you're getting it. Yeah. Um, but so if you follow that logic, if you buy a physical copy of Meyerwitz stories, it's because you watched it on your Am- on your Netflix account. Yep,
2: and liked it. Uh. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, you would think whatever. a lot. Lo- like, I'm sure a lot of the the more powerful directors, like Scorsese, probably went, "Sure, thank you for giving me all this money to do The Irishman," uh, but that has to come out on some form of this yeah. media at some point because I want the money from that too. Yeah, I also
1: wonder if it's just a, in a way, like a philosophical thing, like. Because there was a big kerfluffle, uh, and look to their credit, Netflix was right; we were wrong. When everyone got pissed off, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know about ten years ago when the when they split the streaming and mm-hmm. the physical, and everybody's like,
2: "Don't you fucking dare!" Do that. Oh yeah, I actually just bought a book about that. Yeah, um, that was it's a got, huge. It's deal. called Netflixed. It's yeah. about the history of Netflix, and I'm like, I need to fucking read that book. Yeah, Cause, yeah that was yeah. I I remember that when they split up. And
1: I was pissed too, but turns out they were right. I was wrong.
2: Yeah, but um, there, there are still people who subscribe to the discs. It's weird. That, so there, because there is a lot of stuff that you can't get on the on streaming, the streaming service, service that you can get on the disc. I'm just not going to pay for both in order to find out which right now.
1: Oh no, no. I also, I don't want the hassle mm. of having to <laughs> put something back in a mailbox. <laughs> it's not so much that. It's the, um. Like, I I remember one of the most annoying things with Netflix was, uh, one of the most frustrating things is when you have whatever the max was out and you're waiting for the next thing to come and then you go home and move a thing of mail and you're like, oh, fuck, there's all my returns. I never dropped them off. So now you're like, cause there was like a six day turnaround. Mm -hmm. Just allow me to turn my TV on and fucking pick it. Yep. Um. But at the time, even at the at the time where we were living, I mean, no one's internet was great, but ours
2: was shitty. Oh yeah. Uh, so the. Oh yeah, I remember having to buffer. Oh episodes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, if you watch an episode of The Office, you were buffering for five minutes. Before yeah, I
1: would. We well, like when we used to watch the when we would do that, we would start it, pause it, and then go make dinner. Yep. And then come back and yep. watch it. Do the same thing. Which. Yeah. Is crazy to think of now. Well,
2: it's funny too, because in the book right now, it's, I'm only on the first chapter, so I just picked it up, but like, they're at the point where they're just mailing themselves DVDs to see if they don't show up broken. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because they're like, that was their biggest test. Yeah. Like, we could probably do this, but... Turns out DVDs are incredibly tough. Yeah. Yeah, that that was their biggest worry. It's like, if we throw this in a... Because it's like, anything other than an envelope, this idea doesn't work. Yeah. Because it will be too cost prohibitive to do this. Yeah. So they had to make sure that you could just send shit through the and mail, in, a, bulky. in an envelope, and have it arrive fine. Yeah, and
1: make it super easy to return. Yeah, which, like you said, is put it back in the envelope <laughs> and tear the strip off, and that was it. Yep. Uh, I do miss those days because it was exciting.
2: Mm-hmm. There was a, a weird excitement to it when something. <laughs> the only time it ever bothered me was like if like um, I know that's how I watched The West Wing for the first time. Oh yeah. So I would get. I was on the three disc at a time plan. Oh yeah. And I would, like, the next three discs would ship, but sometimes one of them was coming from a different, like, distributor. Mm, and you'd get... I'd get, like, the second and third disc, yeah. and not the first disc yep. first. So I'd, like, again, small problem, it's like, oh, I guess I'm going to have to wait an extra day or two. I did that But once. knowing that I had those two discs there that I couldn't watch right away.
1: I did that. I can I can, top that. Or a worse show to do that with. I, I can remember that happening with 24. Like, mm-hmm. I haven't seen 9 o'clock yet.
2: I can't watch 11. Yeah. Oh, and then I remember one of the seasons of Gilmore Girls, like disc four in one of the sets was like never available. Oh yeah. So they were like, do you want us to send this five and six? I'm like, no, no. wait until four becomes available. And it's like, did everybody in the world have disc four at that moment? No one wanted to return it. No one, it. and no one was returning <laughs> it. It's a or really they, good episode. Or they were one. broken or yeah. something along those lines. Yeah. It is funny how we miss those days though. It is I I think of it fondly but I wouldn't want to go back to it. Oh that's that's a good segue though, into another thing I watched. I watched a documentary called All Things Must Must Pass which is about the ending of Tower Records. Oh. Huh. Uh directed by Colin Hanks.
1: I was trying to think of the he's not involved in. I was thinking I was trying to think of it cuz when you said Tower Records I immediately thought Empire Records. And then when oh. you said Colin Hanks I was like was Colin Hanks in nope. that? No, but Liv Tyler was, yes. and Liv Tyler was also <laughs> in uh, That Thing You Do, which was directed by Tom Hanks. Yes. That's how I connected those. Well
2: done. Um, really good documentary. I mean, I... My, my memories of Tower Re- Records are fond, but very, very limited.
1: Yeah, because we didn't have one. we club. didn't have one here,
2: but when I lived in Boston, that's yeah. where I bought everything. Right. It's like, that's where I waited on release day to get a... LP of all things of Vitality, you yep. know, um, it's where uh, I picked up Aria. I got it at
1: Everyday Music in downtown Farmington. Yeah. Uh,
2: I got um, uh, Pisces Iscariot from Smashing Pumpkins there. I got um, REM's Monster there. It was for the first time like in my life where I was able to get all the music I wanted. Anything you wanted, yeah, yeah, um, and Tower Records again. Coming from a small town where we bought our records at Ames. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, a very limited selection. Yeah. And every once in a while we get to go to Record Town or Cassette World or whatever the fuck they were in the airport mall. I mean, in the Bangor Mall. Uh... There was a Sam Goody at one point. Yeah. But, but they've it... all gone through
1: mass- many yeah. different names. I'm trying to think of what it was called first. Yeah.
2: Because
1: I remember buying... Uh... Cassette singles.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. From that nook, that's uh, like where, like right near Dicks. Now there was like a, it was a
1: cassette. Oh, there that was Tape World. Tape
2: World, yes. That's what that was. Yeah, that was
1: the OG one.
2: Yeah. Uh,
1: What was it called when it was across the mall and and maybe one of the maybe where Foot Locker is maybe Uh, Fye.
2: Before that, yeah, I can't remember.
1: I can't either. Yeah, Tape World. i would forgotten about Tape World. Yeah, and it was just a fucking wall of tapes. Yeah, yeah, it was Wall-O Not tapes. much
2: bigger than where we're recording in your basement right now. But yeah, no, oh no, floor to ceiling tapes. Yeah, Tape uh, World. I forgot about that. Um, so it was almost
1: a like it was almost a kiosk. Yeah, because the the counter was basically kind of in the
2: mall. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. F- I forgot about that. Oh, Tape oh World. it was great. Yeah, I remember because one, one, one day I spent like an hour in there deciding. Okay. Do I get the cassette single for Aerosmith's Pump and by Dr. Feelgood or the cassette single for the song Dr. Feelgood and Aerosmith's uh, Pump album? Yeah. I ended up going with the um, Love in an Elevator single and the tape for Dr. Feelgood, which I, I still stand by that choice.
1: <laughs> it turns
2: out both decisions were wrong. Right? <laughs> um, but it was interesting to see like what Tower Records went through. Um Oddly enough, it was an awful lot like that theme park documentary. Oh, yeah. Where everyone was high as fuck all the time in, like, the original stores. Yeah. Like, because Tower Records started, it was a a guy's dad owned um, a tower tower drug. It was a drug store, And they were able to sell used records in there, and they couldn't keep the used records in stock. So they wanted to buy more, and there happened to be an empty building next door. So, the son convinced his dad, hey, let's buy that and turn it into a record store. And this was right before the Beatles, the Beach Boys, and all of them hit. That was pretty convenient. Yes. And they talk about that.
1: What the hell was the name of that? The theme park one that we
2: watched? Uh It's annoying. You Danger know? Park or something, something like, that. like that. Um. So, yeah. And, and they the guy talks about it on there. He's like, you know, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I was like... 20 years old Yeah We just happened To Open a record store At the perfect time To open a record store In San Francisco Like all of a sudden You know Class action part All of a sudden You know San Francisco became A music scene Yeah And they Were the biggest store And then Like any other big store They started opening up Other stores And it's funny Because like the CEO The CFO Were all just Childhood friends of his Yeah that just got jobs as counter people, essentially like Empire Records, where just a bunch of friends worked there. And it's like, it's because they were talking about how they're, they're the original asshole employees. <laughs> they're the ones that started that trend where, yeah, we're kind of standoffish and pricks and we're going to scoff at most of what you buy. But we know what we're, we know music, so we're going to get away with it. Yeah. And they talk about like, you know, how some of them fucking practically lived in the store because they just go out back and get drunk after the shift was over, much like Class Action Park. Um, it's really, because they used to show, um, like, their financials, some of their financial sheets. And on a lot of them, it showed um, push cart fuel or hand cart fuel. It was cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, we'd do paid outs for cocaine. We'd go down to the corner, buy a bunch of cocaine, come back, do it in the back room and work our 12-hour shift straight through. Because we are all jacked up on coke. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, they they eventually expanded too much, especially. And they talked about like yeah, once Napster hit, we didn't know what the fuck to do. Right. We they had just expanded. They had opened stores everywhere. Apparently, I just want this. There are still Tower Records in Japan though. I believe that when they closed, there, what someone else bought the name and kept them open. Yeah. Because and this doesn't surprise me at all. Music piracy there wasn't an issue. Because culturally you don't fucking do that yeah you know so yeah there's dishonorable yeah there's still tons of tower records in japan but everywhere else they closed down so i'm i'm very i I was it was just interesting to watch and they all freely admit yeah we fucked up (laughs) we fucked up big time (laughs) we didn't pay attention to napster we didn't pay attention to online like our online presence sucked
1: (laughs) the 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 weird thing is that is that i i think that well and i'm not alone in this that had an impact on the quality of music that has come out in the last 20 years mm-hmm. i mean that was that hurt mm-hmm. uh the business of music and if the business of music hurts music itself hurts and all mm-hmm. of a sudden you're looking for you know you they start manufacturing it the same way you'd manufacture anything else. Yeah. Something that's quick, easy, cheap, and that you can discard quickly. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying all music is like that. There's
2: good artists, but it's not... It's not the same. It's not the same. And I... There aren't as many mid Like, you're always going to have the big artists. Sure. But there aren't as many mid-level artists who, like, put out... Like, uh... What's his a Social Distortion. Let's put it this way. They exist. They're just impossible to find now. Yeah. But like Social Distortion has never been a big band. Right. But they've made a 20-year career. They put out an album every, and they've been able to live off that. Yeah. Doesn't work so easily anymore because now they're like, well, fuck, now you have to tour.
0: Yeah. You you
2: make all your money from touring. I mean, and anyone who's got a Spotify account is just as guilty of it. I, I have a Spotify account. I listen to music on Spotify all the time. Artists don't get shit from that. Right. They have to pay, they have to play something like 10,000 times before it even sees a penny. Really? It's something awful like that. Unless you're like fucking T Swift or something. I'm sure her deal's a little bit better. But But she's
1: also going to clear that threshold pretty easily. Yeah,
2: but most artists, yeah, they struggle. That's why this year has been awful for most bands because you can't tour. Right. Uh, my, my favorite artist is Brian Fallon of the Gaslight Anthem. He found a way around it by doing, like, a lot of pay-per-view recordings from home. Yep. Uh Dropkick Murphys are about to do another show. I
1: really thought there'd be more of that.
2: I'm surprised there has I hasn't really been. thought there would be more of that, but... Um, yeah, because, I mean, Christ, I've seen... Andrew and I were actually talking... We've seen him more now, online. Yeah. And I've seen him four or five times prior to this. But during the quarantine, it's like every other month he has another pay-per-view show. Yeah. Which is, like, 20 bucks. Which... I've been more than happy to pay cuz it I like his music.
1: <laughs> and that's also something
2: and we were talking about this the
1: other day at work about certain school things that are pandemic driven that I hope stick around. Yeah. I'm more like I'm way more likely to watch a pay-per-view show in my living room than I am to go to a concert. Mm-hmm. And I know it's not the same thing. I get that. Yeah. But
2: it's also I can watch it at my convenience.
1: Yeah. And um, and it doesn't preclude it sounds touring. and it
2: sounds better for me. Absolutely. Cuz I I don't have the greatest of hearing. So when yeah. I'm at a live show, yeah. A lot of the times it's Well, yeah, cuz exactly live, what you think it would sound
1: a like. A live show is uh depending on how big the the venue is, it's too big to sound good everywhere. Yeah. And like, unless you're in a, the, the The, perfect spot, spot. uh, it's not going to sound great. Mm -hmm. Um, that's why I really, I really love the, you know, all the, the, they call them bootlegs, but they put them out, the Pearl Jam Mm -hmm. live shows that they were way ahead of the curve on, by the way, they've been doing that for uh, 10 years or more. Yeah. Um, where they're, they're mastered versions of live shows and they're, It's the only way I listen to Pearl Jam now. Mm -hmm. Um, It has been for years. Like I haven't, I haven't regularly listened to studio stuff for probably 15 years Um, because they started doing, and they're mixed. They're not just, it's not just some phone recording from the middle of the crowd. You know, it's, it's mixed and it yeah. sounds really good and it's it's yes. for me it's the best way to listen to yeah,
2: there have been the concerts a good live band. like that um so I, like i'm i'm super excited for the uh wednesday st patrick's day um concert from the Dropkick murphys Yeah. because they've been very well produced and they've been a joy to watch um another thing that i enjoyed this pandemic was <laughs> um, another thing that i've enjoyed this pandemic yeah is are the the script readings yeah I have loved those. They've been amazing. It's like, and I to and think sh- to think that that had never been done before. And Shia LaBeouf was the best part of one of them. Uh, yeah, and Mandy Patinkin was the Be- best part of another because
1: he's so fucking weird.
2: Yeah, but Did I, you ever watch that clips yeah. of it? Oh yeah, my
1: God. but I yeah, I
2: mean, I've watched probably now four or five like studio like recordings of casts. Doing a read-through of screenplay.
1: It's cool just to see it. Yeah. Even if they're not, I actually kind of like it when they're not doing it like a. This is a super table read. Yeah. Where they are just kind of.
2: Yeah. Where they're having fun.
1: I mean, some of them are very much that way, but I, I do I enjoy <laughs> the Tekken's ones. Was. Oh yeah. That yeah, hundred percent. Oh yeah, he was in it. But that um, also was magic. <laughs> and but like the Shia LaBeouf thing, you were you're like is he doing Spicoli right now? Or did he really just drop his lighter on the floor of his car to light his joint with and he can't find it and he's bending over trying to find it while reading his lines? I don't know. It
2: doesn't matter. The Dazed and Confused one was like that too where the kid who played the burnout kept like having to be cued because he looked high as fuck and it's like, is he in character right now or not? (laughs) And does it matter? And then it's like, Also, watching, like, everyone get excited when someone reads, like, someone says the famous line. Yeah. Like, because I know, like, the Dazed and Confused one, when uh, McConaughey went, all right, all right, all right. Like, everyone else who's in their little square was like, yes, (laughs) he said it. (laughs) Did they, uh,
1: air quotes, recast any of that, or was that all... Like was it Rory Cochrane? Yeah, oh yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah, it was the majority of it were the people. I think there might have been one or two who just couldn't make it, yeah, or something like yeah. that, or there were technical difficulties. But yeah, it was it was primarily that cast, yeah, and it was awesome.
1: Because <laughs> that was it, it was the funny part about the Fast Times one is that, uh, Shia LaBeouf was Spicoli, but. Sean Penn was there too. Yeah, wasn't so, he Mr. Hand? Yeah, he was laughing his ass off. Because <laughs> yeah. every time he said anything. Because uh, that's got to be fun. Yeah. Just watching someone else go bonkers with the the thing oh, that you the, really got famous
2: for. Yeah. Um, it kind of, it, it kind of leads into one other thing I watched. Because I realized I had never seen this film. The original 48 Hours.
1: You know, I'm not a thousand percent I have either. I've seen
2: another 48 Hours numerous times, because that was on, that came out on video in like the 90s, sure. and it was on HBO. I even had the poster for that, because it came out when we had the video store on, on HBO, but I'm like, I don't know if I've ever seen 48 Hours, so I sat down and I'm like, nope. I don't know any of this, because let me tell you, um, that script is hard. Yeah. Like, Nolte drops the N-word... A lot, really. In that movie, a lot, <laughs> and he ain't the only one. Really, yeah. Um, I mean, ah. it's an er, eighty-two. Yeah, uh, it's a Walter Hill film, and I have a love affair with Walter Hill movies anyway. Um, and it, it was um Eddie Murphy's first film role. Yeah, and it shows. Yeah, like he's not Eddie Murphy. He's He's Eddie Murphy, but he's very timid Eddie Murphy because you can show he's like, is this, "Am I doing this right?" Yeah, like I've been on SNL, but this is a bigger time. I mean, it's hard to think like the next movie he did was Trading Places, which he was perfect.
1: See, I thought that was his first movie, yeah. but um, I don't know if I've ever seen four. I, I don't. It's it's one of those things that was uh, ubiquitous in the in the. Yeah. That you were aware of I it. knew everything yeah. that
2: happened in it because of another 48 hours. Yeah. And like, I knew, you know, but I was like, oh, I for- I didn't know uh, that guy was in it or that guy was in it. Like, I think
1: I'm that way about, uh, I actually bought it a couple of years ago. I still haven't watched it. Um, with Close Encounters. Mm-hmm. I'm not 100% I've ever seen like
2: all of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's because, again, HBO had a big, a lot to do with this. Things, like, before 85 were rarely ever on HBO. Yeah. It's because, it was like, by then they were, like, on the new content. Yeah. And it was one of those, like, like Jaws 3, where I saw Jaws 3 before I saw Jaws. Yeah. I saw so many sequels to famous films before I saw the actual famous film. Right. Um, yeah. And I was just like, I've never seen 48 Hours, I don't believe. So I finally watched it. And it's a solid film. But, yeah, it's fucking... It, it's funny too because it's that is the originator of the black, angry black captain role. Oh yeah, that's yeah. The, I can't remember the guy's name who's in it, but he is the angry. I'm always screaming, "My ass is on the line, your yeah. ass is on the line." Th- that's where that cliche came from. Is that fucking movie? <laughs> the
1: Thing they make fun of in uh, yeah. Twenty One Jump Street.
2: Oh yes, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, Trying to who was actually
1: I've, I? Team. I bring up Twenty One Jump Street because I've started watching. I've started watching. I've watched like two of them. Um, the GQ videos that are actors talking about their most famous roles, because mm-hmm. it auto played after, uh, I watched, uh, Seth Rogen was on Jimmy Kimmel this week <laughs> talking about his, uh, new weed company. So I watched that. And I then saw it, that. I saw that he announced yeah. it on Twitter. Um, and then it auto played into the GQ thing of him, him talking about all his like, most iconic roles or whatever. And, uh. So then that auto played into Jonah Hill's and so, but I, I found them fascinating because uh, the Seth Rogen one's like 45 minutes long. So, I mean, I, I sat here and watched the whole thing. Um, but he was, but Jonah Hill was talking about the 21 Jump Street and he was talking about how he, he was kind of proud of, cause he said, when we first started cause he's a producer on that movie. When we first started trying to get people for this, no one got it. Like yeah. what well, that, That Why are you remaking this shitty show from back then? It's the first thing
2: I thought when I heard about it.
1: And he said, no one really understood that we were being self-referential until the movie came out, and they're like, oh. And he said, I'm proud that I feel like we were the first ones to do that, because a lot of them came
2: out after. Oh, yeah. Where
1: you're aware of how dumb this is. Starsky
2: and Hodge. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there were a bunch of those that came out after that.
1: Where part of the joke is, yes, this is a ridiculous and stupid premise. Yeah. uh, Because the captain says we're reviving an old program from the 80s because no one in this department has any creativity and <laughs> we can't think of anything else to yeah. do and this is easy or whatever. Yeah. Um, so, uh, uh, and yeah, there, like you said, there's a there's a bunch of those that have come out since. But uh, that's still... a hazard. It, and it was years. I think it was until you, you said, yeah, 21 Jump Street's actually pretty good when I watched it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was surprised.
2: And the sequel. The sequel was good too. Yeah. They were, yeah. I'm actually quite mad that we've never seen any of those other sequels that they kind of showed at the end of 22. I forgot about that, yeah. <laughs> I, I want to see those still. Yeah, the, the, I think yeah there was a work. whole... Uh... Like dental school and <laughs> <laughs> all that other shit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's go... oh I, I lost track of where I was. Oh, now I can't open my
2: phone. Uh, Annihilation. Oh, uh, Hannah. Have you seen Hannah? I'm pretty sure I have. Okay. It's one I don't remember much, but I, yeah, I, rem- I remember Eric Bonham mostly and him not. That? Thinking it was going to be more of a vehicle from him, even though he's not Hannah, but having him not mean it as much as I expected. <laughs> it is, uh, it was done dirty by its
1: marketing. Mm-hmm. I understand the mark because it's marketed as a teenage girl, uh, born movie. Mm-hmm. It's not
2: 100%. That's what it was marketed. It nice.
1: is absolutely not that. And I can't, I want to, I want to reference the, the review that I read that sums it up perfectly. Uh, if it had been framed to me this way before I watched it, I would have liked it a lot more from the get go. It is a, uh, coming of age dramedy spy movie. Mm-hmm. If you watch, because it, it's. You're thinking it's this born type thing, and then there's this whole section of of the this family on a road trip, and it's kind of silly and she's very much the the uh kind of alien in a new world type mm-hmm. thing and I'm like, why are we spending so much time with this family and It was a while through it before I realized, wait, is this a coming of age movie? <laughs> And then once I made that switch in my brain, I really enjoyed it. Mm. But like, you expect her to be
2: assassinating people
1: right away. And the tone of it is, is, is lighter mm. than the, certainly the trailer or, or I'm showing Dan certainly more than the, the, the poster oh, yeah, like and she the, is pointing a gun. Yeah. That. That's, it's not really what the movie is. Mm. Um, but yeah, once it, if you go into it think of it thinking that way, it's better. The other one that I started, uh, I started The Professional. Oh! I only watched an hour of it, because I'm going to be honest, it's a little icky. Oh, yeah. I Where I stopped, because I, I could do without the whole she thinks she's in love with him mm-hmm. storyline. Why is that there? <laughs> she is like 12 years old. Oh, yeah. Why is that there? Why does this? I mean, I know why, but what, I'm saying rhetorically, why is this movie that is set in New York City feel like it's set in Berlin? Because uh, I mean, it's directed by a French
2: director. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: but, like, you know, like, but why? Why are you doing that? Why is uh, Jean Renault's character, is he like got an IQ of 70? Like that's kind of what it feels like. So yeah. then it feels even weirder with the. Yeah.
2: But man, Gary Oldman.
1: Oh yeah, and Gary oh, Oldman. One.
2: Every time he is on screen, I'm just like, "Fuck!" I
1: wanted to text you. Uh, and I was like, "What's the accent he's doing?"
2: Oh, I don't think there is one.
1: What the fuck is? I mean, it makes the character. I'm not saying that as a as a critique. Mm. It's almost a because it makes the character even more unhinged and uh, well, kind of like you were talking about with, when you were talking about the way that Elizabeth Moss is in that movie, that's the way I'm thinking of Gary Oldman, because even the people that are with him are like, Oh Jesus, what is he going to do now?
2: Yeah. Please just don't shoot me. (laughs) Yeah. just
1: Can we just get this situation over with and leave? Uh, And yeah, the accent, because I know that he, because I know Mm -hmm. as a movie watcher, that Gary Oldman can do an accent, mm-hmm. and by oh, accent yeah. I mean other than his native British accent. Oh yeah, he was playing Dracula like a year later. Yeah, <laughs> and and I know he can do. I know he can do American. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the fuck that was. I have no idea what he's yeah, doing. That's just go um,
2: letting loose with it.
1: I guess. Uh, so yeah, I'm about an hour into it. I had to stop when she tries to kiss him at the restaurant. I was like, I got to take a break because.
2: That is a film. I'm not comfortable with this. (laughs) That is a film I have desperately wanted a sequel from. Yeah. And I'm glad they never did one. Yeah. But I want one now. With a 40-year-old. With like a, yeah, because I mean, obviously Natalie Portman's character in that is going to be fucked up by the events in this film. Yeah. I mean, just for- Don't
1: say anything past the first hour.
2: Everything (laughs) in the first hour is still like, she's going to be fucked up for decades. Yes, correct. (laughs) So I kind of want to see what her character like is now. You know,
1: I'm curious. I'd like to know what Natalie Portman thinks of that movie now. Yeah, I'd be curious. Well, especially because, like, because knowing what I know of her, between
2: that and Beautiful Girls, like her first two big roles, Were... she was kind of lusted. Well, she wasn't as lusted after in The Professional, but she was definitely lusted after in Beautiful Girls. Yeah, by- which it's another film that's now problematic because you now hear things about um... Christ. One of the actors? Yes, Timothy... Timothy Hutton? Timothy Hutton. Really? Apparently, he, he might have been a bit of a rapist back in the early 80s. Man. With young, young girls. Man. You so see, the thing is, the Girls you, is otherwise so good. That yes, movie's so good. I love that movie. It's like one of my most underrated, underappreciated films of all time. And with
1: that, and maybe this is me trying to defend it in my own mind, the ickiness in that movie... Is part of the story.
2: Yeah. It's not... Yeah, because just... I mean, at least the character realizes, wait, I can't be in love with a 12-year-old. Yeah. What the fuck is wrong with me? I need to go back. I can't stay home anymore. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what? Well, yeah. It doesn't make it less icky. Yeah. But it's like, but, dude, that still entered your thoughts for a while. That yeah. You might be in love with this 12-year-old.
1: The things about prof- the professional that bug me are... I don't want to say I'm okay with that, but... Uh, but the the things about the professional is that it's things outside the character that are that make it icky. the 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 sh- the Madonna charades thing did not have to happen. <laughs> that was a directorial choice. Yeah. Um, and speaking of which, going back to the does this guy have the IQ? Does he have like a barely functioning?
2: He's just French.
1: <laughs> because like he doesn't know who Madonna is. Yeah. On. And he's like when he's watching, he looks like a five year old when he's watching Gene Kelly in the in the mm. uh in the theater, like, oh, what is this? Like yeah. what, is we there something it. we get it? You're French and this is a whole new world for you. Yeah, but
2: but come on. Yeah.
1: And also someone somewhere says that he's German. I'm like, no, he's not. Yeah. That's what that he's supposed to be German? Because <laughs> I'm not getting that at all. Yeah, no, I didn't either. <laughs> um Yeah, so I'm not sure how to feel about it.
2: Yeah. I'll finish it. Whoop. Bassan films have always made me feel kind of icky. Yeah. Um. I mean, Fifth Element. Oh, that's him. That's him. Because um, that, yeah. The the thing
1: about Fifth Element is that it it feels like a European sci-fi. It feels like a sci-fi movie
2: taking place in Berlin.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm making connections he,
2: now. Yeah, he's he's done uh, the he did the Messenger of the Joan of Arc film. Um, yeah, he did. He's done a lot of the women as like assassin killer films of late, but yeah, he's problematic for me. He's done some good stuff, but yeah, it's
1: stay on your side of the pond. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you I'll, I'll watch your movies as long as you keep stay over there,
2: because um, they're usually good. Trying to get to his uh... one film I watched this week that was icky in a in a different way. I finally watched the new Netflix film. I care a lot.
1: Oh yeah, see, Ros- I don't think I can.
2: With Rosman, it's a hard watch.
1: Yeah, I don't think I can. Um I want to, because, but I don't think I can. I mean
2: the whole the whole point of the film is she plays a woman who gets she's a custodian. A custodian, Jesus. She is not a custodian. Oh
1: well, yeah. she's yeah, but, but not you, what you're thinking, yeah.
2: Yeah. Um yeah, she oversees Old people. old people. She plays their, you know.
1: Under the guise of taking care of them. Yes, legally. In their, in their um, waning and is, years. And is
2: milking them all for all their money. Oh, he did Lucy, too? Yeah. Um, she runs a business where she has a friend who is a doctor who finds people with families that don't really care about them anymore. Right. And has them, you know, committed against their will. And then once they're committed, basically isolates them completely and gets them hooked on, like, medications. So that they do become homeless. Oh, I didn't know that part. That's oh, gross.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, pause. You weren't kidding. Uh, the professional Lucy Fifth Element Anna LaFemme Nikita. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Does this guy know how to do anything else?
2: No. Uh, okay, carry on. Um, but yeah, no. She has like a friend who's a doctor who picks these people, and the whole thing is they pick Diane Weist because she's wealthy and doesn't have any living family. I'm sorry, Diane Weist for the rest of my life
1: is just going to yeah. be tied directly to uh, Brooklyn Nine
2: Nine. Um. So she gets they they you know commit her. They take away her cell phone, and then they start putting her on all these medications. Um, you you later find out that she, that woman is not who you thought she was, because yeah, she's wealthy all this, but you find out that her social security actually belongs to a dead person. Because um, while she doesn't have family, she does, and her family is uh, Russian mafia. Uh, and the head Which of the is Ro-
1: Peter Dinklage, right? Peter Dinklage, yeah. who is
2: awesome in it. Uh, but yeah, in order to you know, they start blackmailing each other back and forth. And she's like, well, I'm going to put your mother in a different wing and take away all her, and put her on, I'm going to take away her medic her pain medications and put her on more antipsychotics. Cause she can do that. Yeah. <laughs> and every time it's taken before a judge, the judge is like, well, she's been taking care of all these people for so long. She's good at it. And you're like, Holy fuck. Like, this isn't out of
1: the realm. No, um, no, it's not. It happens. It I mean, hap- it, this might be a more sensationalized.
2: Yeah, it is definitely a little more sensationalized because there are definitely points where I'm like, okay, there would have been a, hear- a second hearing. Yeah. By now. Yeah. And because that was the thing. It's like the they never were able to get the people present to their own hearings because of something or another. eventually, I'm like, no, by now they would have they would have made sure to hear. Right. Any any reputable judge would have heard from that person by now. But then again I'm like, oh, but then again, you know what? all fucking judges are reputable?
1: Well, and some also uh, and also a lot of them are so over the dockets are so overwhelmed yeah. that you're going to listen to the person who, sings, who sounds like they know what they're doing. And then
2: like, let's get on to the next one. We got 12 more of these yeah, to do. Okay. that person's getting taken care of. Okay, I'm good. Yeah. Um yeah, and th- this film goes to some dark fucking places. Um, and it ends in an even darker place. I was surprised. Uh, first, I didn't think I was going to like the ending because I didn't like the way it was headed, and then it kind of did something, and I'm like, "Oh no, nope, that works. That makes sense." I can, I can picture Robin watching this. Um, I, I, I am now deathly afraid of Rosamond Pike. Yeah. Between this and Gone Girl, I can say you weren't already. Yeah. Jesus between Christ. And, between this and Gone Girl, I don't think I could ever be in a room with her. She
1: really put the uh, put the wood to to Affleck, and you were you <laughs> yeah. weren't. <laughs> yeah.
2: And now we'll see what she does to Dinklage, and he's a smart motherfucker. <laughs> he's a fucking hand of the king. He reads and stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, w- it was enjoyable. Um, solid hour and a half of my day. Yeah. Um, and then I, the last thing I watched was the one I was talking about earlier. Um, hard watch, but really good. Uh, pieces of a Woman. It's um, about a woman who... What's her name? The actress? I ke- I always blank on her name. I do too. Vanessa Kirby. Yeah. Um, she plays a pregnant woman who, in the first half an hour of the film, has a home birth that goes wrong. And Vanessa baby, Kirby of Hobbs
1: and Shaw fame, if yes. you're wondering.
2: Uh, and the baby dies. Uh, and her partner's played by Shia LaBeouf, uh, who's very, very good in this. Um, the opening shot of the home birth, I didn't... I, the more I said it, I'm like, I don't think that camera has stopped for like 20 minutes. Hmm. Um, and thankfully, you don't get to see the worst part of everything. Um, they cut away from that, but it's it's very affecting because it's like, this is you no, know, this is what a birth is like. This is hard and like she's burping all the time because she has acid reflux or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, most most um, filmed births you see in movies are just like a lot of. Yelling and screaming and pushing. And I'm like, that's not what it is. (laughs)
1: Squeezing (laughs) hands and
2: whatnot. Yeah, this is, this seemed very, very real. And then the remainder of the film is her coming to terms with what happened and the havoc that wreaks on not just her, but her partner, her family. Um, You know, are they going to sue the woman who helped them give birth at home? Are they gonna, you know, what's gonna happen to these people?
1: I will not watch this movie. It's
2: a hard. <laughs> I can guarantee watch. you that right now. It was a hard, hard watch, but it was. I will really sooner good.
1: watch Sophie's Choice.
2: Um, I know she's, uh, Venice Kirby's been like on the short list for potential Oscar nominees yeah. for this role. Yeah, I would not be if she gets a nomination. I don't think she will, because this is one of those films that's not. That showy.
1: Yeah. For
2: her. There's not a lot of hollering and screaming coming from her.
1: Uh, There's no clip.
2: Yeah. It's a lot of quiet scenes. Yeah. Um, a lot of the angrier scenes are Shia LaBeouf being angry and gruff, or um, Ellen Burstyn, who plays her mother, just still being fucking awesome. She's great. Um, but it it was a really really good performance, and I I hope if she gets nominated, I'd be very excited for her. I think yeah, the nominations come up tomorrow, tomorrow morning at like five a.m.
1: Shia LaBeouf is one of those people that um I assume in real life he either smells really bad or amazing.
2: <laughs> yeah, like he either smells like those soaps like the Doctor Squatch soaps that you see. Yeah. Uh, or or yeah, smells like the worst body odor, just like ever. horse stall. <laughs> yeah.
1: Or he just smells unique and amazing. Yeah. Like, wow, he just, he smells like weed and.
2: Yeah. Yeah, there's very few actors. Like, like I always think like him and Brad Pitt. Yeah. Like along that line. Yeah. yeah like they're either, they're either like garbage or. Or just
1: naturally amazing. <laughs> mm.
2: uh, uh, but, yeah, Shia, Shia was also really good in it. Um. Kind of channeling that quiet rage. Yeah. That he, he's really good at. Yeah, uh the director the writer, director, writer and director are husband and wife. Um apparently she wrote this film after her own um pregnancy death. Jesus, that makes it worse. Yeah, yeah. Uh but they all like I said, um he's they're both um Syrian. Cornel Munzdrukso. Oh, I think you nailed that. Yeah, <laughs> and Katya Weber, <laughs> uh, even better. Uh, so yeah, I looked up other stuff they had done, and the one it, I was talking about earlier, Jupiter's moon. A young immigrant is shot down while illegally crossing the border, terrified and in shock, wounded. Wounded Aryan. Oh, that's troublesome. Can now mysteriously le- <laughs> can now mysteriously levitate at will. That's troublesome. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it it sounded like a neat little sci-fi flick. Um, and another one, which I couldn't find anywhere, but I want to watch too, is called White God. Which, again, troublesome <laughs> naming another <as> character. <laughs> um, but it's about a country that favors pedigree dogs, and a new regulation puts a severe tax on mixed breeds. So owners dump their dogs in shelters become overcrowded. And a 13-year-old girl f- fights desperately to protect her pet. Geez, I wonder if that's a metaphor for anything. Yeah. Uh, so she joins... a In a week where uh, Megan and Harry did <laughs> an yeah. interview. So she joins a gang of stray dogs. Yeah. It seems interesting. Their revenge will be merciless? Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right. Yeah. But um, I bet we hear more from this writer-director team yeah. after this. I think they'll get a bigger Hollywood movie after this. I wouldn't be surprised. Because, I mean... I'd completely forgotten about this, too. I talked up uh, Nomadland so much, and yeah she's yep. she's directing the fucking Eternals for Marvel. Oh, yeah. Yes. And everything that keeps coming out of that is Marvel is like, holy shit, we made this? Mm. <laughs> this this is us? This was really good. If it comes out in November. I think it will. Yeah. I'm I think still, it will. I'm still disappointed that Marvel is not putting out Black Widow to VOD right away. I know it's still going out to theaters. I'm like, it seems that seems silly. It feels like it's gonna be out in theaters for two weeks, and they're like, they're gonna be like, oh shit, yeah, we've made no money. <laughs> Let's put it, because just put it out on fucking Disney Plus with the thirty dollar pass thing or whatever it is. I'll do it. I'll do it too. You know? Um, <clears throat> I want to watch that as soon as possible. I'll pay the thirty bucks so that I can watch it a couple times that month. You know, uh,
1: a bit of personal news. Robin and I both got our first uh, speaking of theaters. Yes, got our first COVID shots this week. Um, when can I go to the theater? Can I go to the theater? I don't know. Is it is it socially okay for me to go to the theater
2: after I get my second shot? Twelve I think, days. I think so. I think so. Yeah, Rob and I were talking about that. I'm like, for the first time in my life, being a middle aged white male has done me no good. Right. Because <laughs> last year I would have been at the top of the list because yeah. my health was shitty. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm a year on medication now, and I'm not quite as my my risk factors aren't as high. And I'm 45, so it's like, I'm still waiting till May.
1: It does feel, I I honestly, I think it's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be sooner than that.
2: Um, I mean, yeah, I'm not upset because like everyone was like, oh, like, I don't know why anyone is complaining that teachers are getting their shots now anyway. Like, no, I don't know. I'm sorry. If ahead. you dealt with the public at all, you should be getting your fucking shots. And it's yeah. like, that's why I'm not upset that I haven't gotten mine. I'm like, I, I, I'm at home. Right. I'm not out dealing with anybody if I don't have to be. Right. So, yeah. Put me at the back of the list. I'm fine with that. You know, make sure, you know, I want my kid who's in the fucking military getting it before I do. Yeah. I I want my mom getting it before I do.
1: I definitely feel, you definitely feel weird about it. Um, But, on the other hand, uh, I think of it as everyone, the, the, the school system is basically everyone in this area is one degree of separation from that school. Mm. I'm that I bet covers 99% of the I population. Would, I would believe that. In a hard way. Uh, so, and then we are in contact with, and it's, this is nothing to the kids, but because they're kids, the least responsible
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> of that population. Mm. Um, although the, we talked earlier about things that we hope kind of stick around post COVID. Like there are no colds. There's no flu going through I haven't the school. Had a, I haven't had
2: a cold in a year and a
1: half. These usually this time of year, that place is just a snot bubble. Uh-huh. And it's not. Yeah. Because they get hand sanitizer when they enter and leave a room and they're masked all day.
2: Uh-huh. And yeah, I, I, I I've kind of liked met wearing my mask in the winter because it, it keeps my face fucking warm yep. as well. I'm like, oh, I'm all right with this.
1: And like, I've seen a lot of people, uh, you know, just like on Twitter and stuff saying that, you know, people that travel a lot, they're like, now that this is kind of ingrained in our heads as to what's going on, like when you're on an airplane, we've all seen the the videos of, of you know, the simulations of how air circulates in an airplane. Like there's a lot of people that are like, I travel, you know, twice a week. I'm wearing a mask the rest of my life yeah. on an airplane yeah. because it just makes sense. Yeah. Um, J- you know,
2: Japan and
1: China. Have been doing Yes. It Hong years. Kong's been doing it for years. Yeah. Um, and I, I always go back to the scene at the end of big short with, <laughs> uh, you know, when they're going to the conference and Brad Pitt's going down the escalator and he's him and a guy from China are the only two with a mask. And he gives him the salute. Um, yeah, they're not wrong. Nope. They're not paranoid. Uh because it, even if it is just to and uh, you know, call me a soy boy cuck or whatever but if it keeps me from getting the flu yep I'm down with it I'm down with it yep. like I don't like yeah the flu uh, yeah I'm going to get over it it'll but I don't if like if I it. if I can avoid it I'm I gonna. don't I don't like
2: those 72 hours where I feel like I'm going to die right
1: if it's if I need to wear a mask for
2: an hour yeah I'm fine
1: yeah. Uh, yeah, it does suck. Like, cause my like the whole area around your nose and face is, is constantly chapped. And but I mean, but that's that's wearing it. I I have a mask on for eight hours a day. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's yeah, the ten minutes that I'm in the grocery store. Fine. Yeah. Exactly. I don't give a shit. I'm it's perfectly
2: nothing. okay with it. If yeah, I, I I will be okay with that if that sticks. I mean, I, again, there will be people who will fucking.
1: It making me wear a fucking mask. And that's Why? fine. Why? And, and and you know what? Like post pandemic, if you don't want, if you don't want to wear a mask in the grocery store, cause you think it makes you look like a pussy. And it, for me, if, if it keeps me from getting a cold or something, that's annoying. Mm-hmm. It's not that big a deal. No. Like it's,
2: yep, but again, it's easy. I have felt great.
1: I do it every day. Yeah. I haven't had, I haven't had a real like cold in over a year. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had sniffles and allergy type stuff, but even the allergy stuff is is going to be lower because you're it's trapping yeah. that stuff yeah. too. Yeah, and
2: it's it's taught us what we can survive without. Hmm. Um. Like, well, we were talking. Uh, Robin told me how you guys were going to, you know, a hotel for yeah. And Andrea and I just went to one for her birthday. Um, it was kind of neat. I mean, I'm sure it's not great for the hotel employees, but no. you know, being one of like probably 16 people with that fucking hotel, right? Kind of enjoyed it. I think Um, it'll be, I think it'll be uh,
1: different then because I I feel like this April vacation is going to be kind of a, 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 not a tipping point, mm
2: -hmm. but yeah. I see what you mean.
1: Well, like we felt, I mean, if I feel comfortable enough Mm -hmm. to, and I still feel a little bit weird about it, but if I feel comfortable enough to go take my kids to a hotel for Mm -hmm. a day, um, Certainly, other people
2: are yeah. as well. Oh yeah, Andrew is like again. She's vaccinated completely now. She's like, "You want to go to Disneyland for April vacation?" I'm like, yeah. "No." Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, because like she loves going. There. She she's been many many times. She yeah. loves it. I've I've never been. Um yeah. I'm interested in it. Yeah. But it's like at the same time, um, that's fucking Florida. Yeah.
1: Oh. Um, well, we have even decided, even pre-pandemic, that our, you know, Disney trip that we've been. Just waiting for both kids to be kind of old enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has, it's now Disneyland. Yeah. Just because I don't want to fucking go to Florida. Yeah. I know it's cheaper, but I don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going, and I've never been to California. Yeah. So I've been to Florida, not a bunch, but often enough. Mm-hmm. Um. But I've never been to California. So, and all the same stuff is there now. So, mm-hmm. yeah. When we go, that's where I think what we're yeah, gonna
2: do. So she like, let's go April. I'm like, no, yeah, it's maybe in the fall. Yeah, because she's like, but there'll be nobody there. I'm like, I, I get that, but again, yeah. not I, even a single vaccination shot yet.
1: I want to be one of those nobodies. Yeah, <laughs> I want to be one of those nobody there. Yeah,
2: I'm like, if we were all vaccinated, I'd be fine. Yeah. I'd be like, okay, let's do it, yeah. but we're not. Yeah, um, and again, Florida. I'm. I've. I've been apprehensive about going to Florida my entire life. Right. That's, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Pre-pandemic,
1: we were trying to find a way not to go to Florida. Yeah. Um. Yeah.
2: Disney. Disneyland is not a bad idea.
1: Um.
2: Maybe I convince her to convince her to do that.
1: And it's not going to be. Uh, it wouldn't be. You know, it's probably going to be years. But uh, there's going to be Nintendo Land. is going to be. Oh yeah. Sure. The I've I watched the the grand opening in. Uh, Tokyo is this spring. Like, I think it's like in May. Um, and it's coming to Florida and California.
2: I also watched the documentary Console Wars. Oh, yeah. Which was about Nintendo versus Sega. Sega, yeah. It was not
1: great. No, I didn't think so. It was okay. Yeah, I'd heard that A lot of it I
2: knew already, but I also spent a lot of time on stuff I didn't. I'm like, why are you talking about this? Yeah. Um, most people who are watching this know enough about video games. You do not need to explain what a video game is for 20
1: minutes. Right, anyone watch it. Yeah, that that was kind of the, uh, I can't remember who was talking about it. It's fairly not, it's not recent, right? Mm-hmm. It was
2: uh, a couple, it's a couple years old.
1: I remember when it came out, um, it was probably on one of my podcasts I listened to. They were, they were talking about how, I mean, it's fine. It covers the, it, but if you're watching it, you already know. Yeah. Anyone watching? Anyone no, it watching?
2: 2020. Wow. Was it? Yeah, okay. Yeah.
1: Jesus Christ, this year was long. Yeah. <laughs> because I swear I have I listened to a podcast and they were talking about that. Yeah. And I would have told you that was at least two years ago.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, w- it, w- it was interesting because it saw, like, Sega was not ready for 64 bits. Yeah. And that's what fucked them. Yeah. Um, Because by the time the Nintendo 64 came out, they were pretty much done yeah. at that point. But it showed, yeah, like how... For the while, for the for a while, like the Genesis was the system to have. Mm-hmm. People lost interest in Super Nintendo because the Genesis did the better job of advertising to the gener- that generation. Um, well, the
1: generation that had a an NES was now in high school or college, yeah, and, and they, they wanted the cool system. Right.
2: You know that play that could play Mortal. And They talk about that like how Mortal Kombat. I, mean, I remember, it's the whole reason I bought a Genesis because I wanted to play Mortal Kombat in my dorm. Yeah, um, I wanted to play NHL hockey. But I also wanted to play, Mortal Kombat because Mortal Kombat Two had just come out. Um, that's when I bought the Genesis. Um, but
1: yeah, NHL '94 might be the game that I that I was the best at in my life. I don't know if I've ever been better at a game than I was at NHL '94.
2: Yeah, a lot, we would. A lot of hours were played in the dorms to NHL '94. A Lot
1: of hours. We would have like the other people on the floor. Would come into our room, and like say, "Okay, I think we're ready," yeah. and we'd just decide which one of us was going to play them. And then when it was seven nothing after the first yeah. period, like, I Ben used to just he'd just drop his controller and walk out. <laughs> he goes, "I'm not even gonna." because yeah. we don't. Who, I'm not even playing. Them, I'm not man. even gonna finish. This is come yeah. back when you're ready. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but I and I was better at him than at NHL,
2: but I was not at double dribble. <laughs> shot from the band. Double dribble that fucking fade away that he did in the corner every yeah, fucking time. Corner three. Yeah. Um, Jesus. It's been 25 years and I still remember him hitting that shot all the fucking time.
1: From the band. Yeah. Uh, the Host was mm. the first one I watched uh, like some after. Fun, like
2: some Bong Joo ho Yeah. Uh, I
1: watched that uh, a couple days after we last recorded. It feels like it was a lifetime ago. Um, That was fun. Yeah. Um, It's weird when you watch uh, because usually a movie with that tone in america wouldn't be as serious mm-hmm. you know what i mean well that's the thing
2: like, with bong Ho films they're like all over the place is on this how funny you, is this a family film <laughs> yeah, is this exactly. a comedy is this a drum wait because that a lot of people are like, that's one of my favorite korean horror films i'm like is it that scary though is it like if, <laughs> if anything it feels like a pokemon movie at times mm. you know
1: but with consequences. But with consequences. Like, old man gets it. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh yeah,
2: I, I liked it. Um, after that... Uh, I mean, if anything, fucking Spirited Away is scarier than The Host.
1: Yeah, uh, Spirited Away um, it, it was interesting, both of those, both Spirited Away and uh, Mononoke. One from 97, one from 2001. Uh, so, obviously, they've... And, and, of course, I've heard of them... Um, and I've heard of how influential they are, but now I'm seeing it. Spirited Away is, like, a, you've heard me talk about the Persona games. Mm-hmm. That is where that comes from. That's yeah. where those Persona games get there. Or at least, I know a lot of it is just Japanese culture, <laughs> but the the Persona games are definitely influenced by uh, by Spirited Away. Just the the style and the tone and the... What did Tilly think of it? Uh, she, it was funny because she, uh, it's because it's long. I mean, it's, it's not, like a, two hours. it's Old two too, yeah. yeah, it's like 210, um, which a movie like that typically is, because the, what I kind of learned is that, is that, that is the, the company that made these is basically Disney of, yeah, Miyazaki, I mean, Disney, M- Miyazaki is the Walt Disney. Yeah, know. and Disney is even. Was even maybe part of the uh, distribution? It's yeah. probably the U.S. distribution because yeah. they are mentioned in the credit. In yeah, the credit, because
2: like uh, Mononoke especially had a ton of American actors doing the, and Neil Gaiman did the script adaptation.
1: Yeah, and I because I yeah I did not watch. I the only version that's available to uh, on HBO is the American actor mm-hmm. one, uh, which is. Apparently not the correct way to watch that movie. Uh, you're supposed to watch it with uh, dubbed, which it wasn't, or not dubbed, um, subtitled. Uh, subtitled with the original. Yeah. Even Letterbox doesn't have the American actors as really? the cast. It has you. Can, there isn't a Letterbox huh. uh, version with. Interesting. Uh, now I can't even think of who was in it, but it was like it was, Billy Bob Thornton. Yeah, and all all and... named actors. Yeah, yeah. If they
2: were a big '90s actor, they were in that in that movie. Like. <laughs>
1: um, Princess Mononoke is essentially the story of Moana yeah. Mo- or I should say Moana is a not direct rip off but it is clearly yeah. <laughs> very influenced by Princess Mononoke this, it is a very similar story um, now it's also I'm sure in every culture there's a story like that yeah. but I mean it's the the the, the well, impending I mean, black goo is the same uh, as
2: John Lasseter made it very well known Like, I remember, like, on the special special features, I think, for Spirited Away, he's on there. Like, Lasser was a huge Miyazaki fan. Yeah, clearly. So, yeah. Anything that Disney slash Pixar... Yeah. Yeah, that he had a hand in had a lot to do with that. Um, Connor, I remember, loved uh, Spirited Away, Mm. which blew me away because it's such a weird...
1: It is very weird. Uh,
2: Um, Yeah.
1: I think... uh, Unsettlingly uh, weird. How old was he?
2: Probably six or seven. Okay,
1: I think that makes sense. It was too weird for Colin, mm-hmm. but not for Tilly. Yeah, I think she's you at that have... age
2: where you're not trying to make sense of it. You're right. just seeing what's up there and you're and, enjoying
1: it. And you also haven't really set in what a movie like that should look like and include. Mm-hmm. Whereas at Colin's age, that's already set in his brain. So yeah. watching this is like, wait, this is... Because when I started it, Tilly and I started watching it. And uh, Robin had gone to Belfast for the night, so it was just me and the kids. So uh, Tilly and I started watching it, and she, I mean, you know Tilly. She did not move. Mm -hmm. She did not utter a word. An hour into it, Colin came down. Now, Tilly has not spoken the entire time it's been on. Colin comes in and immediately is like, What are you watching? What is going on? What's with that guy's head? What is, I mean, just question after question after question. And eventually Tilly's just like, will you stop? (laughs) (laughs) And he was like, you do
2: not talk during the movie.
1: So he, he sat there for a few more minutes and then he just decided, I have too many questions. Mm -hmm. And I know you guys are going to get mad at me. So he went back upstairs. (laughs) Uh,
2: Yeah, that film. I can't imagine walking in halfway through that. Fucking weird.
1: It's it's a persona game. It's that's yeah. what it is. It's weird. Uh, I know that doesn't help for yeah. anyone that doesn't know what that means. But um, yeah, there's there's you kind of have to watch it. I guess yeah. um, I know
2: um, Adam Savage from MythBusters. Yeah. uh had a great essay that I read online that he he um, made a costume of No Face mm. and walked around a convention like as No Face and was handing up tokens to people and they kept get- giving them back to him. And he couldn't see very well, so he didn't know like who he was giving them out to. And he was like, "Why are people giving these back to me?" And they're like, "It's bad luck to take something from you." Yeah. Like, so we appreciate you giving out tokens, but it's like that's how wired in people were to that costume. That yeah. They were just like, and I'm sure it looked amazing because that dude's a fucking no. you know an engineering genius. Yeah, and and he did, he did that. Yeah, so people were like, "No, we're not taking these tokens from you because it's bad luck. <laughs> we'll play along for a minute, but we're giving it right back."
1: Um, <laughs> uh, I can't remember what I was gonna say about oh, Mononoke. but the
2: bath scenes in that, the bathhouse scenes in that movie freaked me the fuck out. Oh yeah, yeah. I was like, ooh, Connor's gonna. Cause I remember my biggest fear that like Connor was gonna try to describe the movie to his mom. Oh after, yeah. After I would take him home, and then I would get that call like, "What the fuck are you watching?" I remember that happened after the first time we watched Lord of the Rings oh yeah uh he had a nightmare about the black riders yeah and i got a call the next day like why is he watching this blah 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 and i'm like okay maybe he was probably like a year too too young for it but he's a nerd kid yeah so yeah after plus she knows the shit you watch oh yeah (laughs) yeah but i'm like it's lord of the rings yeah but i I remember after watching that like for two days i'm like waiting for that phone call because like He's going to describe something that happened at that bathhouse. Yeah, the sludge. And it's going to be, and he's not going to describe it right, because he's like seven. Right. (laughs) And I'm going to get a call, and it's not going to be pleasant. But I'm going to have to explain that it's a cartoon. And then I'm going to have to say it's a Japanese cartoon, which is, for someone who does not watch any Japanese cartoons, it's going to automatically trigger that that shit is weird.
1: That is what that is, Robin's. She made fun of it from the get-go.
2: Yeah, it's a Japanese cartoon. And that's
1: why we watched it when she wasn't here. I said, yeah. we will watch that while you're not home. Yeah, because I remember I've talked to Andrew. Because you're just going to make fun of I it. When I saw that
2: you'd watch, I talked about, to Andrew, and Andrew was like, what? "Yeah, But yeah. like, like her kid watches anime yeah. all the time. Her kid actually like bought his girlfriend um, a Princess Mononoke poster, mm. like a, a original poster for her for Christmas. And Andrew's like, do you know what this is? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, it's mm. an awesome gift. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so that that was
1: that was the reason we watched it while Robin wasn't here, or we did that little kind of double feature.
2: I'm glad I'm glad Tilly liked it though, because it's it's interesting stuff. But I mean, he's got a like. I bet she would love like. Well, oh, stuff, there's a ton of Kiki's them. delivery service, My Neighbor mm-hmm. Totoro. Um, some of the earlier stuff. I don't know how much she would like it as much, but yeah, there's some uh, good... Ponyo. Ponyo, yeah. I, I have it's one of those that's like I haven't watched all of them.
1: Oh God, you couldn't. Well, I mean, you could. I, yeah. I say that, there's, but there's thirty. He's directed thirty six movies.
2: Yeah, but it's one of those like I would I've only really seen a couple, and I would like to watch more because it's so many of them are almost always like nominated for best animated film when they come out, and there a lot of them are on HBO. Yeah, like yeah, lot, I think I I think a good a vast majority of them are.
1: Yeah, see the cast that shows up on the.
2: I mean, it even shows like. Like when you on HBO Max, it has like TC, you know Turner Classic Movies. Yeah. It has Studio Ghibli right yeah. there. <laughs>
1: yeah, Um yeah. The cast on the Letterbox thing is the Japanese cast. Hmm. I had to, I had to, because it was bugging the shit out of me. Because that I, I, so I looked it up on IMDb, IMDb to see because yeah. I recognized Claire Danes, but I was like, who is that?
2: Yeah, because it's people whose voices are distinct, but not. Yeah, overly... I
1: picked Billy Bob Thornton out
2: immediately. Oh, yeah.
1: Um, but like Claire Danes and Gillian Anderson, yeah, I didn't that's get right, right away. I remember she
2: was in there. Yeah. Um,
1: and who was Billy, the guy? Billy yes. I, I definitely didn't get him right away. Um, but I recognized mini,
2: mini driver.
1: Yep. Yeah. She was the Jada
2: Pinkett Smith. I didn't know she was got a... oh, Keith
1: David. Yeah. His voice was
2: one. i like, Oh yeah. Okay, this, he's, he's got that. Voice.
1: Who was, who was mini driver? She was the, the uh, bad one, right? She, she was, was the... lady Eboshi. Yeah.
2: So she was the. Tara Strong, she's, yeah, she's done a bunch of voice work.
1: Yeah, Tara Strong is a uh, uh, voice acting legend. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Constantine, Constantine was a lot, I mean, I don't know why I didn't think this, Constantine was a lot bloodier than I was expecting. I
2: like Constantine a bad. lot. I remember being upset when that came out and got shit on as much as it did.
1: Well, it's because it's Keanu.
2: Yeah, that thing. It was still in that era where it's like, okay, he had just come off of the the last Matrix films, which are not good. Yeah. And people thought he was going to be done again. And it's yep. like, you know, it's a it's a DC adaptation of a character that not, at that time, especially a lot of people were not familiar with. John Constantine was not.
1: And the ones that were,
2: were didn't want Keanu. Because he was American. Because he's American. Um, I never had an issue with that. I had more of an issue with uh, Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, because in the comic, Chaz is Constantine's like lifelong friend. Yeah, not same a kid. age. Not a kid. Not a kid. Not Robin. Ro- yeah, and a, a kid like Chaz does, never wanted to be a magician. Yeah, like he didn't. He got pulled into more shit because he was Constantine's friend. Yeah. than he was comfortable with. Uh, he didn't want to and be that's, in that world. And that's the character. Yeah, it's not. I want to be just like you. Yeah, and that's what they kind of made it out to be because yes. they got Shia LaBeouf. So it's like, okay, um, I do not like again. It was and it's pretty much adapted from uh, uh, Garth Ennis' story, Dangerous Habits. Yeah, um, the whole tricking the devil because he's the whole dying of cancer part. Yeah, uh, a lot of the other shit, not so much. Um, but it really showcased that like people in Constantine's world. Things don't end well because they associate with him. Right, he's a fucking curse, and he knows it. And that's what's one of the, that's what makes him a very interesting character in my eyes. It's like he often tries to do good, but sometimes he's not going to. Right, he's going to do what helps him. Um, and a lot of people that he comes to love get hurt by that.
1: I feel like the uh, the the recent the recent well, I guess they're all kind of recent. The recent DC. Adaptations of Constantine have really done him justice, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, um, the Dark uh, Justice League Dark movie, mm-hmm. the first one, the second one, he's he's in it, but not he's not as central. Uh, and then the Constantine straight up Constantine movie, you watched that, right? Mm-hmm. That was really good from yeah. a couple of years ago. Um, yeah. but this one. Yeah, once if you can get over the fact that it's not a British guy.
2: Yeah, because I remember at that time everyone. Thank
1: goodness he wasn't doing an accent. Everyone was like,
2: "You should get fucking uh, Statham." It's like, why? Because he's British and wears a trench coat, right? Doesn't mean he's perfect for it. Yeah. Um, And again, might as well get Vin Diesel. DC wants to make money on this, so they're hoping they get money from this. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I hated at the end that like he gave up smoking. That was like a thing. Yeah. Like where he, where he picks up the gum. I'm like, no, that right, <laughs> that right there tells me you don't get this character. Cause that's how the last page of that last issue of that storyline ends is with him lighting a cigarette and smiling. Yeah. Cause he just fucking outwitted the devil. But then again, best friend Chaz didn't die because of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, 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 again, I'm shitting on, I, it seems like I'm shitting on that movie, but I really liked it. Well, it's got, lo- it's got problems. It's... I loved fucking Peter Stomare. Yep. Um, Rachel Weiss is good as two characters. Yep. Um, and at any time you've got uh, Tilda Swinton, I'm on board. Yep. Uh, she was excellent. Yeah, it had its problem, but then again, it didn't have a lot going for it like it did not it did not have dc's full marketing push
1: no and well and clearly and most of the problems that you would have with it are clearly uh studio notes yeah you know like a lot of the stuff that was like that was a studio note you yeah. can you can tell well, and they stuff were trying like that to
2: make it for as broad of an yes. audience as possible yes. and it's like that character is not a broad audience character no even you, well, know, you that's, guys that's... even gave him a fucking tv show and it didn't work out on a broad network and that uh, Robin watched it. She yeah. she liked that. Everyone show. has said that show was good
1: because it's the same guy that does the voice for the the yeah. animated stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, and because when we were watching, it, I said, "How i i said How many seasons was that?" She goes, "I don't even think it was one.
2: <laughs> it was one, but I think it got picked up." I know he showed up on the Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah, show. yeah. Did Netflix pick it up? I don't know. I don't know either. Uh, but huh. yeah. And we'll never know. It's it, it's a solid movie for an early DC film. Yeah, I mean that was, Christ, that was even before Man of Steel. I think.
1: Oh yeah, this yeah. is like two. It's uh, two thousand five, I think. Yeah. So uh, yeah, even pre Watchmen, I think. Yeah, because Watchmen was oh seven.
2: 6 or seven, I'm pretty sure.
1: Or yeah, again, we'll never know. <laughs>
2: There's no way of finding out. Uh, uh, but I've I've heard there in there there are. Talks to make another Constantine film. I hope they do. Yeah, I would like to see it. Uh, Tinker Tailor was fine. Yeah, I remember watching that and going, "Okay, yeah. that was a good that was a good spy film." Yep. Not really my bag. I see why people liked it.
1: Yeah, um, well, I my i I don't review everything, and I, my reviews are more just comments. Comments. Uh, I should really put it under comments, then, shouldn't I? <laughs> Uh, I said I'd give this 4 stars but I'm not 100% sure I understand what happened. Yeah. I had to go to YouTube. Oh yeah, no. That. I was I was pretty much right, but I did there yeah. were a few things that I missed.
2: That film was twist upon twist upon twist upon twist.
1: Yeah. I'm I, I the thing I was unclear about that I didn't get until YouTube was why Mark Strong killed spoilers. Uh, spoilers for Tinker Taylor. Spoilers for a 10-year-old movie. Uh, I didn't understand why uh, Mark Strong killed um, Colin Firth. Mm-hmm. And it was because they they were in a relationship. And that's how he... Oh, I didn't understand how Mark Strong knew that he was the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Again, spoilers for Tinker Tailor. Uh <laughs> I didn't understand why he knew. And it was because he sees him... Uh, trying to seduce a woman and he's gay. So that the only reason he could be doing that is if he is a double agent. Yeah. Um, I didn't get that until YouTube and then that makes total sense. Uh, but everything else I was, I was right about, but I was absolutely not sure <laughs> at the end of the movie. Um, but overall it was pretty good. Uh, the Again, my favorite movie watching experience over that time was a rewatch and it was watching Annihilation with Robin. Because yes. she has wanted to watch this. Because there's a lot of movies that she really wants to watch but she knows she's mm-hmm. gonna have a hard time with yeah just like me it took me forever to watch get out uh, i know i'm gonna like it and i really want to watch it i just gotta be it's gotta be the right time but the other night i just said let's watch annihilation she's like all right let's do it yeah and i softened a couple of the things to get her ready for it mm-hmm. uh i prepped her for the bear a little bit i didn't want to give it away mm-hmm. but like i had to prep her for the bear. She got through it,
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: but that wasn't. For me, it's always the pool scene. See, she it, didn't. She didn't really have a problem with that. When it shows
2: all the shit squirming inside of us, I'm always like, "Whoa!"
1: See, for me, I and I think the same for Robin is like, it was right in front of you, and I guess it's not. It's way more unsettling for me to hear their friend calling for help out of the mouth of a zombie bear.
2: Yeah, I understand that.
1: <laughs> but the worst, her the thing that she was most unsettled by, which I'm fascinated by, and not that it's not unsettling, but compared to me, compared to the bear, mm-hmm. nothing else in that movie touches it. Um, but apparently for you, it's the pool. Is the uh, the the mirror portman at the end mm-hmm. really bothered her? Oh yeah, like when she crawls up out of the hole and it's already up there.
2: Yeah, like that. Well, I, I was, especially with that because then you realize. That was a fucking mirror Isaac. Yeah. You know, that went back home. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: her realizing that. (laughs) Yeah. Is jarring too. Yeah. Um, But for me, the mirror Portman was kind of more inquisitive and Mm -hmm. almost playful. It didn't realize that it was hurting her. Mm Mm-hmm. If you haven't seen Annihilation, you're fucking confused right yeah, now. Like, by the way, what now? And we're not going to explain it. It's an Alex Garland movie, so yeah.
2: based she on does... Jeff, based on a Jeff Vandermeer book, and his books are way wackier than the movie is. She does. Oh, I remember you saying that it was. The... Oh, that that trilogy is far fucking out. Yeah. I love his work, but Jesus, yeah, his stuff is weird fiction to the nth degree. She is willing to watch Ex Machina now, which is cool. Oh, I love that. Um, that movie—that's one that I could watch till the end of time. I Which, love that fucking movie.
1: I watched it and then rewatched it very shortly after, and I haven't seen it since. I've seen it twice. Um, it was kind of what was the other movie I did that with, and I—I was, I was like, this is going to turn into something I watch all the time. And I watched it the one other time, and I haven't watched it since, um, but have always wanted to. But it's always like, whew, yeah, all right, that movie's—it's all like, right. It's
2: an emotional investment
1: because yeah. you know it's going to fuck with you. Yeah, um, and then maybe more so once you've seen it, because you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. On, in some ways, it's easier. In some ways, it kind of makes it harder. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think we'll watch that next week. I was I was ready to queue it up immediately as credits were rolling. Yeah. Right after Natalie Portman's eyes shimmer, I was ready to queue up Max Machina. Robin was not, and I understood that.
2: <sighs> See, that's why This w- <sighs> That's why I, w- I wish I had the money to do this. But, and we lived in an area that would support it. I like that we have a theater in Dover.
0: Yeah.
2: I hate that it doesn't take advantage of what it could be. Yes. Because to me, for me, that should be a railroad square cinema. Yes. That should not be trying to play the newest movies. Correct. Because as, as Andrew... We're not going to win. Andrew has volunteered there for years because Foxcroft students have to do volunteer time to graduate. So yep. Tristan was always volunteering, there And whenever they would volunteer taking tickets, they'd get to see the movie for free. Yeah. On their busiest nights, they were a third full. Yeah. Of... And they've, she said they'd only ever sold, like, sold out of, like, kids' movies during Saturday mornings and stuff like that. Yeah, well. Which I, makes that, sense. That
1: ties into another movie. I'm, we're not going to talk so, about it, but that's where Colin and I saw Zootopia, and it yeah. was
2: packed. Yeah. So that is always, like, for me, it's like, because they did it once in a while where they would play an art house theater, like, an art house film, like, once a month. Because I saw fucking uh, Dr. Strangelove yep. there recently, and they played Yellow Submarine, and I remembered why I had never wanted to see Yellow Submarine. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's like, how cool would that be to go there and see a double feature of Ox Machina and Annihilation? Yeah. Because Annihilation I saw in the theater the week it was there. And I saw it with like six other people total on a Friday night. Then it came out. Um, I'm pretty sure everyone there loved it because everyone stayed till the end. Um, it would, it's
1: not director, director, but both Alex Garland, it would go, uh, a Sunshine
2: Annihilation would be good. Oh, yeah. But see, yeah, to ha- to have a th- a theater that could do that, yeah. Um, and a lot of me got thinking about it because, like, uh, Alamo Draft House closed a lot of their locations because of this, including the one I- that I went to in Austin. Um, so that made me very very sad. Mm. But then I was like, damn it, Bissell Brothers should do an Alamo, mm. the Bissell Brothers Draft House in Milo. But then I'm like, but and it has to be in Milo. and It's never going to make enough money
1: <laughs> unless people come from miles around.
2: Yeah, which, like, I've made the trip to Portland to Railroad Square many times. Yeah. And I mean, to Waterville many times for Railroad Square. But, you know, they've owned that, that place for decades upon decades. And it seems like they just make money just by existing. Mm. Like, it seems like they've probably owned that building oh, for, yeah, sure. forever. So yeah. it's not something I feel that would be financially viable in this type of area. But damn, I wish we had it. Yeah, I be, wish we had it. It would be cool. It would, yeah, because every time I mentioned it, Andrea, it's like, "What would you show for double features?" And then I have like forty five things mm. I would I list off. Because I do it all the time when I'm watching movies during the week. I'll watch a movie and then be like, "Like when I watched I watched American Gigolo," and then I'm then like a few days later I watched uh Hardcore, the old George C. Scott Paul Schrader film. Sure, he plays a dad from Michigan whose daughter disappears in California and ends up doing porn. So he goes to rescue her. George C. Scott does. Yeah. Okay. And is introduced to the very seedy world. And I guess it almost during filming almost caused George C. Scott to walk out many times because they filmed in real life porn shops and people peep- cool. and peep houses and strip clubs. And it like freaked him the fuck out, <laughs> <laughs> which shows in his performance. Um, but it reminded me much, a lot of the Steven uh, Soderbergh film from a couple years ago, The Limey. A couple years ago, twenty years ago, yeah, <laughs> just, uh, The Limey. You know. And I'm like, man, that would make a great double feature: Hardcore and The Limey, because it's both about dads going to rescue their daughters from scumbags. Yeah. Um, and it's double a double feature that will never play anywhere around. I
1: do that too. I, I, I'll look for it after the fact. Mm-hmm. Like that's what happened with. Uh, uh, mentioned Vasta Night again. Vasta Night and Save Yourselves. I watched them very close together and they go really well together because mm-hmm. uh, they're kind of the same but very, very different. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you can go right along with uh, uh, just director things like I we watched or we both watched Vice
2: recently, Vice, mm-hmm. and then you know, put that with yeah, and uh, that's the type of thing that would keep a small theater like that going because mm-hmm. paying for two movies if you pay. 10 bucks to go see two movies you're a lot likely more likely to fill that fucking theater yeah than if you charge 10 bucks a movie and no one is going to watch them because I mean bless them they've tried to keep going through the pandemic but I'm like nothing is coming out right who is going who is really going to go see whatever fucking movie is playing there right now that even I don't want to see (laughs) you know and if if I don't want to go see that movie in the theater Everyday Joe sure as fuck doesn't want to. Well, we did buy
1: uh, a digital projector that that you can just stream directly from your phone. That we're going to do summertime things, hang a awesome. sheet outside. I don't know that we're going to charge. Colin thinks we're going to charge admission. Um, I would pay admission to the kids.
2: Yeah, yeah, and a- Andrew and I will come over and give the kids admission if they do that. So he, he we're can, gonna be we're gonna be showing some hard <laughs> and shit. So the, then I'm calling the fucking feds. <laughs>
1: There's a ten year <laughs> trying
2: to make money. Uh,
1: I'm sure it's not licensed. Yeah, he just did. Uh, yeah, he just did an X Machina annihilation double feature. Charged me ten bucks. I'm pretty sure he does not have permission.
2: I'm pretty sure he's not seventeen. Yeah.
1: It was. Yeah, it's he's showing stuff where he uh, takes the money, starts the movie, and goes because he's not allowed to watch yeah. it.
2: If, if the kids do that summer th- that this summer I will gladly pay them admission to come see their here
1: and we don't even know uh, if it's it's just it's still sitting in the box upstairs but like we were, I, I don't remember which one of us found it but it was like 60 bucks on Amazon nice and we were like who cares if it doesn't work that good it's wor- what if it does yeah because you can just connect it to a Bluetooth speaker no, they're,
2: uh, from what I've heard a lot of those are fairly good.
1: Yeah, and I mean, you're, you're not just,
2: gonna get 4K. No, out but you of just it,
1: hang like, a sheet. Like, we'll just hang a sheet off the side of the house and yeah, fuck it, yeah. Sit in the driveway because I think the best place to do it would be like put chairs in the driveway and have it like on the, you know, like mm-hmm. it's not helping very much on the for listeners, but this side of the house so yeah. that you're kind of looking back at it because we were thinking the side of the garage, but there's that's gets awkward for where we'd plug stuff in. We'd have
2: yeah. to run an extension cord,
1: whatever. But uh, yeah, we're gonna try that this nope. summer.
2: I will. I will. I will pay the kids' money to go see movies here. I think that would be a blast.
1: <laughs> I told Colin, I said, the, the money's in concessions, buddy. Oh, yeah. It's not the oh, yeah.
2: movie. No, ma- they make popcorn. I'm yep. sure I'll, I'll throw a buck down for some popcorn in a night for an iced tea or a lemonade, too.
1: Yeah. And then 15 minutes into it, the mosquitoes will be so bad and we'll come inside and finish it inside. <laughs>
2: no, that's what you charge for citronella candles. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. The movie's actually free. Yeah. <laughs>
2: That's how you get Cit- around it.
1: Citron, oh, we're just selling citronella, man. We're selling citronella and off deep woods off. Oh man! See now you're on to something.
2: Yep. Yeah, we're not paying. We're not charging for the movies. That just right. happens to be entertainment while you're. Oh,
1: on. While this? You're... <laughs>
2: yeah, that's just for
1: me. I just had that on. They just want to come over, and eat popcorn, drink lemonade. I don't even, yeah, and I don't smell even know citronella. really why they're here. <laughs> Uh, anything else? No, that's everything for me. Uh, I'm still, I, I'm going to have to just watch, I'm waiting for, uh, to watch Old Boy on the perfect night for some reason. Yeah. yeah which, my
2: trilogy came in, so which I'm, doesn't
1: exist at my house. Yeah. There is no perfect night to time to watch something like that. So I'm just going to have to, yeah, I might watch it and, this week. Cause again,
2: I've been, I've been wanting to watch more Hong Kong films yeah. of late Not Hong Kong, South Korean films. Yeah. So.
1: And I think my plan was for us to watch, uh, to watch the handmaiden last night mm. and then we ended up Robin needed a comfort movie and so that I was
2: not it I pick, <laughs> no, and I
1: picked out and I was pretty proud of myself I picked out uh, Winter Soldier and which is I think Robin's favorite Marvel movie um, and because I don't think she was she didn't think she wanted to watch it. Well, but it's a good time did.
2: to rewatch it because Winter Soldier and Falcon starts Friday. Oh, that's right. I wasn't even thinking of it that so, way. If Even if you, though
1: we talked about it before. Yeah, and I you're ahead thinking, of the game. Yeah, I you're wasn't even thinking about it that way. Uh, but yeah, that starts Friday. Good job. Yeah. On my part. All <laughs> right. Uh, so next week, I don't know what, what I was going to say. Yeah, next week. We'll watch what we watch. We'll,
2: we'll, we'll discuss Whatever. probably Falcon and Winter Soldier. <laughs> yep, at least. The hour of Justice League you might have watched.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, that's Friday, isn't it? Oh, they're for the same day, isn't it?
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's a big day. What a bunch of assholes. I'm going to be up till midnight, <laughs> which doesn't work
1: anymore. Are you right? going to watch it all in one?
2: I'm going to try. But it's it's so weird because before all of the blood pressure shit, I could stay up until two in the morning every night. Yeah. Not a problem. Be at work at seven or eight the next day. Mm. Now, I don't have work at seven or eight in the morning the next day. And by like nine thirty, ten o'clock, I'm like, I'm fucking done.
1: Part of that is just age.
2: Oh, yeah, just age and the fact that my heart my blood pressure isn't ten. 2 210 over 170 anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right then. Next week it is.